1: Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast that does for comic book movies what Argo City does for Krypton. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are...
2: Sir Patrick and James Hunt.
1: We'll discuss the latest-ish comic book movie and TV <laughs> news before diving into our spoiler-filled discussion of Juno Swarks. That's a difficult one, you guys. 1984 movie, Supergirl. But before any of that... I'm going to ask Seb and James to explain to me something I don't know about Hydro Man.
2: i, I tell you what you don't know about Hydro Man. He's not in Far From Home. <laughs> That's literally... In Far From Home, <laughs> you need to, you You've need misread to recheck that your sources. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> a what? lot of people were like, oh, Hydro Man's in
2: the trailer, and he isn't. No. It's a guy made of water. It's not Hydro Man.
1: Right. I mean, because... Um, the. We'll discuss this in a minute, but it's a Mysterio creation, right? Well, I mean,
2: yeah, we'll discuss it in a minute. (laughs) But one, okay, the characters.
1: I mean, this is just, this is simple because now you can explain to me why it's not Hydro, man.
2: Yeah, the characters you're looking at are uh, the Elementals, I think. Ooh. Uh, And they're just like, I don't think it's. It's even the comics version of them because, like, they're so minor, minor characters. They're such minor characters.
1: Yeah. Um, so, what are the elementals just like
2: they, monsters they made in out some, of? They like, uh, horror comics in the 70s and then a couple of issues of Miss Marvel. They're kind and of they like were basically y- people who had the ability to control the the four you know classical elements.
3: You know how like the Eternals are a more boring version of the Inhumans. I think the Elementals <laughs> are an even more boring version of the Eternals, just based <laughs> around um, earth, wind, fire, and water.
2: Yeah. So I think if like I'm not even sure how much they're going to owe to the comics versions of the Elementals, but no. clearly you're going to have a guy made of water, a guy made of. A guy made of fire and a guy made of air or whatever. <laughs> well,
3: and, and given the thing that, is, yeah, we, we've seen. Well, sorry, I, I don't want to get us onto that chat, but. We'll get, yeah.
2: we'll get onto it in a second.
3: <laughs> but given that,
2: let's pay lip
1: service to it. Tell me about Hydro Man.
3: <laughs> He's a water version of Sandman.
1: Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> are he, there any more of those? What else do you need? <laughs> are, there, are, there, are there any more? So we've got Water Man, we've got Sandman. Do we have, I don't know, Wax Man, maybe?
2: Uh, there is a swarm who is made of bees. <laughs> Wait,
1: was it why do I feel like I've encountered Swarm? Didn't um Agents of Shield do that? Possibly. Oh no, that was hu- no, that was Hive. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you can see where I got tripped up there. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, Swarm Swarm is uh, made of bees and he wears a cloak. I'm the I'm bees trying wear, to... and the bees wear a giant cloak.
3: I'm trying to think if there's anything you wouldn't know about Hydro-Man, but the thing is... I'm trying I don't, to think I, if there's anything I know about I was going to say, oh, well, there's that. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything you couldn't guess about Hydro-Man. Like, you can probably guess how just about every story in which he's ever... Oh, no, hang on. Right, okay, I have, I have discovered a fact that you may not know. Um, Sandman and Hydro-Man once got merged together into a single being called... Uh... No, I'll tell you what. Guess what this creature was called. Um, mudman. Oh, close. Mud thing. Not mudman, Ooh. but mud thing. <laughs> 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 that was in issues two hundred and seven t- and two hundred and eighteen of the Amazing Spider-Man. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I knew that. that off the top of my head. <laughs> was, I knew it happened. I wouldn't have known when there. or where. Uh, who was doing Spider-Man around about that time? So uh, it, was it was Danny O'Neill, and uh,
1: was Hydro-Man bitten by a radioactive water? What? How? How?
2: No, no, it was uh, it was radiation and uh, ocean bacteria.
1: <laughs> oh, it wasn't just that it was raining.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't
2: identical yeah, it wasn't to Sandman's origin,
3: but it but it wasn't far off. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: um, well, we'll we'll move back into that territory in a second. Um, but before we get going on the news, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do off the back of our awards show. Um, on the award show, we could not decide what the best new film of 2018 was. Um, If you haven't listened to it, we narrowed it down to Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And unfortunately, our listeners, listeners, you were wrong. Uh, You (laughs) awarded the win with 46% of the vote to Avengers Infinity War. So... That goes down in the annals as the best uh, new movie of 2018. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was close second with 38% and then Black Panther was third with 16%. Um, Although, I have to hold my hands up, um, I made a mistake. I I had seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse once at the time of recording and while I thought it was really good, I thought Black Panther edged it um now i think that spider-man into the spider-verse might be the best superhero movie of the last decade so um <laughs> I, f- I feel like i did as wrong there
3: <laughs> I-, I hope you've bought the t-shirt then i
1: will be buying the t-shirt hey ch- guys check out our patreon store where there's a great uh,
3: uh,
2: Not patreon.
1: Store, yeah. oh sorry <laughs> you
2: hey guys, j- correctly
3: joe <laughs> you should check out our patreon as well obviously
1: but check out our patreon check out our redbubble um and check out our twitter feed where this vote went down um but yes avengers infinity war won um and if you would have preferred spider-man into the spider-verse blame me if you'd have preferred black panther blame yourselves
2: and if you preferred infinity war i'm glad to have you on my side because i was backing that from day one
3: Uh, it's the wrong answer
2: it's not it's really not the
1: the third best of last
3: year Let's let's not do it again, guys. There's there's two hours of doing it already.
1: <laughs> right, okay. Let's talk about what I will predict will be the third best superhero movie of 2019. I don't know. I just pulled that out of my ass. Um, the <laughs>
2: Spider did <laughs> <It's only> that,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: right? Sp- the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer debuted online um, yesterday, as we record. We were actually due to record two days ago, but James, you you were incapacitated by uh,
3: dental problems, and we couldn't.
1: And for once the <laughs> the gods. Cards, <laughs> number two.
3: <laughs> the scheduling gods have smiled upon us for this is 2019. Yeah, this is a intense. new year of trailers actually coming out the day before we record rather than the day after we record.
1: So guys, so what's it's gonna to happen to is there's about... gonna be
3: another endgame trailer tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah,
3: but it'll be fine, we'll deal with it. Uh
1: the Far From Home trailer uh debuted yesterday then. Um what are your immediate reactions on the homecoming sequel? Fishbowl!
2: Yeah, extremely happy. My 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 immediate reaction was underarm webs. Actually,
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so you, I mean,
1: you guys love Mysterio in 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 comics. I mean, I think, I mean, I think, I... I think
2: me more than
3: James. Uh, yeah, but...
2: I would say I'm. A, a, you know, I like Mysterio a normal amount. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like Mysterio from the com- I mean, I read Guardian Devil and I read the uh, Spider Man, and I'm I'm sure I've seen him somewhere else as well.
3: Um, I like, but yeah, I like Mysterio. He's fun. I mean, it's not just. I mean, uh, yeah, I have. I haven't been backwards and coming forwards about my my love of Mysterio and and just the the sheer volume of ridiculousness that he stands for. And it's you, not. You have been the, talking they...
1: about him on this podcast since literally the first episode <laughs> because Guardian Devil was the recommendation on the first
3: episode. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, yeah, but that would have been a spoiler, so I don't think I would have talked about it on the first episode. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, but. It's not. It's not just that they've done uh, the fact that they've done Mysterio is a is a personal. Uh, oh yay! It's Mysterio, but it's just the fact that they've done Mysterio and he looks like Mysterio and it's, and it's good enough. When you just see Jake Gyllenhaal in the costume, and every element of the costume except for the fishbowl helmet is a hundred percent, absolutely spot on, and then they show him in the fishbowl helmet, yeah. and it's just, and I already, yeah, I think everybody has guessed what they are obviously doing <laughs> with him, but it looks great, and it's exactly is, what they right, should do.
1: Here's the question: Is what they are obviously doing with him? the incredibles
3: yeah is he is he said <laughs> yeah basically that that, that seems I mean, to me i, would, I mean are I you saying like that in out. a sense of you're asking is that what we think or are you saying it to make the point that it's been done
1: well uh, both kind of <laughs> i and i mean my expectation is is along those lines but i mean if i were in charge of marvel Mysterio would be the front for a bigger villain, and you probably have a. I mean, that third could be split. the case. What and and you probably have a third Spider-Man movie that is the Sinister Six. Given that they've kept Keaton involved, mm-hmm. they set up Scorpion, they set up Prowler. Um. Here is here is Mysterio. All it would probably need is one real big bad from the Spider-Man canon, and there you've got a Sinister Six. And yeah, I mean. My dream would be a, a a Doc Ock or a Norman Osborn played by Tobey Maguire being the <laughs> being the brains behind it. Like, I just think it. I just think that the meta narrative of Jake Gyllenhaal being the front for a Tobey Maguire villain in a Spider Man movie <laughs> is just too perfect. And given what we know about Tobey Maguire now, with all of the with, with the Molly's game and the Pussy Patrol or whatever they were called. Uh, <laughs> It it feels like Tommy Maguire more naturally fits into the villain mold now than he did in the early two thousands. So I think it would be, I think it would be perfect. It's pure. I mean, that's it's pure speculation and nonsense. But yeah, that's uh,
2: <laughs> you're willing to risk a lot on a piece of stunt casting. Yes,
1: <laughs> but I also, I also, Mysterio feels like it almost shouldn't be him. Like, I I kinda want Mysterio to be someone crap who's been hired by someone good.
2: No, yeah, I think I think this direction, if if what is happening is what is happening, and to be fair, we haven't stated it, so it looks like Mysterio is creating fake villains so that he can defeat them and look like a, a hero in himself.
1: And presumably this is I mean, we don't know 100% because we don't know how Infinity War is going to... I mean, weird that this trailer is full of zombies. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> but presumably it's a sequel to Infinity War.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, the, the, they've already the said events... In the events that this is happening after Infinity War, so I don't think we should waste too much time speculating.
1: <laughs> have, they? have they? Have
2: they flat yeah, out said, they said that? said it was something like... Um... Uh, you know, uh, uh return to normalcy after the craziness of Infinity War. I'm sure yes, I, it's not, yes, I'm yeah, sure there's something
3: where, where Amy Pascal's doesn't Amy Pascal said it starts like five minutes after
1: Endgame. Yeah, end she game said it starts
2: something. like five minutes mm. after Endgame ends. So yeah. Yes, but
1: I could still see there being timeline wibbly wobbliness within that. Um I saw someone uh, again speculating um wildly online that the bus that you see Peter Parker on in in Infinity War when he gets his Spidey sense that you know why why is this class of kids randomly on that bridge on that bus
3: because they're on a could, different school trip. But could you get more could, yeah, than but no, but, but one but could, school could, trip in your entire time at high I school. I know. But also, they we might know not even that be on Infin- a trip. They might be going to school.
1: But we know that Infinity War is doing weird time stuff, or Endgame is doing weird time stuff. But well, we don't know you- that. We do. Um, <laughs> I was
2: going to say, I think we, we do.
1: And, we infer that heavily. And we know that, based on this, that Peter Parker returns, as do other characters who were dusted. So would they necessarily pop b- back up after the events of Infinity War, or would the timeline reset to a certain moment with maybe some changes having been made? So potentially, you know, it it could be existing you know, earlier in the time. Not that it would But if that's But if that's Infinity the case, like
3: that. it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. if it's, you know, if, if, if what people are saying is that this whole story takes place before the events of Infinity War, then that's a different question from it takes place after the events of Infinity War and Endgame have, have happened reset. and everybody yeah. has then gone back in time. And if that's the case, to me, in terms of the narrative, that is no different from it happening after the events of Endgame, after Endgame has actually happened. Well, they, yeah, there's, like, no, there's no narrative difference is, there.
2: Whether this is a Peter Parker who came back from being dusted or never got dusted in the first place because of timeline yeah. crap, doesn't really matter, does it? Make yeah. No
3: what, it, what, I, what I don't believe it is, is a Peter Parker who is going to get dusted after the events no, of this no, film. No. Yeah, a- exactly. A- but that's what some people not, are no. suggesting, but it's clearly right. not that.
1: Um, I did like that they removed all of the dates from his passport. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: having screwed their own timeline up in the previous yeah. movie. Yeah. Is this can our I, official we, quickly, debut
3: of the sliding timeline?
2: <laughs> quickly, can we get back to Mysterio? Because I, I don't think we finished that thought. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Which is that he is, he's making himself look like a hero. Like, yeah, that we're both we're all in agreement of. The reason I think that works for Mysterio is because his whole thing is that he is like the best special effects guy in Hollywood but he doesn't get the recognition he deserves or that his ego wants.
3: Yeah, he he is all about ego and recognition. So it actually does make sense that yeah, his that first he, port be, be of call up. would be to get the adulation of being a hero. Yeah,
2: because um, he goes, oh, you know, my movie skills aren't being respected. Let's show them what I can do this way then. And I, I like
3: and the I, idea that he's he's gone to Europe. I mean, I know the films have actually sent some of the characters to places in europe for stuff so it's not like it's like the avengers are only happening in america but even so i like the idea of well this is him going this is all going on in new york i'm going to go and carve out my little niche where i'm going to be a hero (laughs) it's
1: Uh, because of
2: all the tax breaks in london
1: (laughs) or potentially you know this is a universe that doesn't have an iron man anymore and someone wants to step up and go hey look now i'm Yeah, I'll
3: be the new
2: Iron Man. I I love, I I I love that he's like he's like
3: Thor crossed with Iron Man. Line that's great.
2: (laughs) I sort of hope it is that because that is that's basically the Thunderbolts as a concept, which is that you know they thought the Avengers had died out, so they pretended to be the new Avengers, and sold themselves as that. And I'm I'm really in the bag for that Hmm. narrative as an idea of villains pretending to be heroes.
1: It's interesting isn't it that we've gone from Nick Fury basically not being a part of the MCU since Civil War aside from that sorry since um ugh, which one Age of Ultron that was the last time he showed that was up the last wasn't time
2: he showed up in any major way yeah,
1: yeah and and from that to he's going to be in at least two if not all three of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies this year <laughs> and, and definitely in this and Captain Marvel in fairly major roles it's interesting. I wonder whether one of the timeline reset things that we're going to get out of the out of end game is that Shield wiped out Hydra a lot earlier.
2: I wonder Shield, if that is Shield Nick is Fury. back on the table because could easily be a special effect. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it could. It could be Mysterio manipulating. Mysterio
1: has Mysterio has created Nick Fury. Yeah. That would be cool. Um. <laughs> Here's, here's another question about special effects. Given the last few Marvel trailers, I mean, and I'm particularly thinking of Spider-Man Homecoming, where Spider-Man swung through the uh, streets of New York with Iron Man flying next to him in a scene that <laughs> never happened in the movie. And that is increasingly becoming a thing. Do you remember when, um, I'm sure when we watched the- Hulk was en- in
2: the Infinity War trailer.
1: Yes, Hulk was in the Infinity War trailer. Thanos only had two stones in his gauntlet when he mm. was fighting Cap. Um, So my question is, what in this trailer is not actually in this movie?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, good question.
3: The passport scene.
2: (laughs) They did
1: some extra stuff, didn't they, for an international trailer? Um,
2: Yes. It's
1: different versions of this trailer. with, And I think there's already clips online as well now. (laughs) Maybe it's the suit. Maybe this black suit is all an elaborate gag. We'll have to see. I, I, I mean so we get we get the, the new kind of black and red suit and we also get that all black like camo suit here. Um that seems to be part of Sony's strategy at the moment. All of these Spider Man properties have multiple suits and I mean I get it. You gotta you go out there and make that money. <laughs> <Mitch>. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's in, a great in fairness, it's a great idea because like... people people have gone mad for it on the game.
2: Well, there's something really cool about Spider-Man when Spider-Man gets a new suit because he's been he's in the classic costume so much that when he puts on a new suit, you're like, "Oh shit, he means business." Uh, <laughs> that will perhaps be run into the ground and stop having any meaning. But Dan Slot's run on Spider-Man did it a lot, where like you knew stuff was going down if he put a bespoke sp- suit on.
1: And I, I, I kind <laughs> of like that with the especially with the whole spider-sona stuff that's happened online mm-hmm. since since into the spider-verse that I love how the core elements of the Spider-Man costume are even in like a costume that is pretty perfect to begin with that it, you can remove just like some core elements out of it and it is so adaptable I mean, you can you can have some that you think do or don't work, but you kind of you're like, oh, yeah, that's Spider-Man. Yeah, that's I mean, bird. I guess
2: to be Spider-Man, you sort of you need the eyes and you need the the mask and basically anything else will look like it. That's why Spawn and Deadpool both look like Spider-Man at times. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm just looking, actually, because I've got the trailer on in front of me. It looks like he's wearing the blue suit at one point as well. The original blue suit. So,
2: I mean, that's the one he takes with him, right? That's the one that's in yeah. his, his in a suitcase in the international trailer. So
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna say something though now, in in spite of all of that, this trailer didn't get me super excited. Really? Yeah. I think it's residual homecoming. I just I, I never <laughs> I think it's residual from homecoming in that I never really fell for homecoming. I like I like the cast, I like Tom Holland, I like Zendaya um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that Jake Gyllenhaal's turning up in this um, I, Yeah, I think it was the fact that the first one never really hooked me And also that Into the Spider-Verse happened <laughs> That's that's the Spider-Man I want in my life right now I'm not, I'm not willing to let go of that Maybe by the time this movie rolls back around and I've had the, you know the great feeling of Peter Parker, of Tom Holland's Peter Parker, being brought back from the dust. But at the moment, I'm kind of like, hmm, okay, we'll see when it turns up.
2: I mean, but I'm I'm much more excited for this than I ever was for Homecoming. What, and yeah, why do I you think didn't think hate is, though? Homecoming or anything? But I'm this this is a more exciting Spider-Man film to me
1: because of Mysteria.
2: Yeah, and also I think it's the the putting Spider Man in an unfamiliar situation because like I've I feel like I've seen Spider Man at school or Spider Man hanging around New York. I've never never seen Spider Man in Europe on screen. Like that's exciting.
1: And Seb, I uh, I assume you are suitably excited to this for this if if for Mysterio if nothing else. I mean, for,
3: yeah, I mean, for for Mysterio if nothing else. But I don't think there is a nothing else. I think I think yeah, mm. I, I agree with James that sort of the the freshening it up and that move and i just you know the ability i, just, I always love the idea of a, a spider-man story set in london um you know I, i'm really looking forward to the fun conversations we're going to have about tube geography um, <laughs> after that film. um yeah i just it was it was a fun trailer with laughs in um that also had mysterio in it so, and I just, and it, as I say, actually, while obviously, as I said before, like seeing the fishbowl was very exciting, I still can't get my. My brain is still struggling to cope with the the visual of of Jake Gyllenhaal in a in a comics accurate Mysterio outfit. It's just <laughs> just it's making me laugh just thinking about it, especially because it's like it, it it looks like a Jake Gyllenhaal who's just turned up on set without having had a shave and like <laughs> um, yeah. I just I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what it does. I think it's nice. I mean I I totally get what you're saying about Into the Spider Verse has um you know coloured our our perception of of spider-man and, and that's kind of what we want to see more of but equally into the spider-verse you know taught us that anyone can be spider-man and there are lots of different versions of spider-man and they're all great and valid and this mm. is nice to get a reminder of just how much we all love tom holland's version as well so the, um, the
2: comic timing on display in this trailer if nothing else is yeah. enough to get me in the can for it because it is just so he's such a funny version of the character and they've yeah. done what they did with you know chris hemsworth or whatever and they've gone oh actually he's funny let's let him be funny
3: yeah
1: so 2019 guys we've from the mcu we've got captain marvel we've got avengers end game and we've got spider-man far from home from fox uh, presumably we've got dark <laughs> phoenix and we've got the new mutants from dc we've got shazam and joker there's nothing in that list that i'm going like Oh, I'm not. I'm. I mean, probably Dark no, there's Phoenix. There's one thing in that
3: list that I'm going. That's not coming out this year.
1: <laughs> Which one's that?
3: New Mutants.
1: <laughs> new, At well. least not in
3: cinemas. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I'm. I'm interested. I'm really interested to see the New Mutants. Um, I, I'm not You'll that fussed about Dark Phoenix. Uh, but everything else, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I want to see that. So, um, and it also, and that also brings us on to the 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 non Marvel DC movies. We've got Glass, which is obviously coming out this month. And then Hellboy, Neil Marshall's Hellboy. Uh, We didn't get a chance to discuss this before Christmas, so let's discuss it now. Let's talk the Neil Marshall Hellboy trailer because you guys were no impressed.
3: That was a great trailer for Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy movies
2: it was a great trailer for a straight to video version of hellboy
3: yeah i mean by 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 a great trailer for i mean a great advert for you know um (laughs) i think it 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 showed you um what those films have to offer that this film doesn't look like it does have to offer um i mean it does
2: it does look like straight to video hellboy 3 right
3: yeah totally
2: oh, we lost the director and the star and most of the budget, but hey, we can still do Hellboy if we sort of cheapen it up a bit.
3: And, you know, I mean, Venom showed that making a film that feels like it came out in 2004 um, could can yield significant benefits, but I, I don't think that this film that feels like it comes from the early 2000s is, is going to... Because, I mean, you, you don't want to write something off after a trailer, but I think it was just that it was a combination of it didn't offer didn't look like it's offering anything new or different. And everything that it was offering look that's been done before looked like it'd been done better before. And this is coming from someone who's not even a massive fan of the Del Toro films. You know, they're fine. Um, but I think what they have got is is style and heft to them. And um yeah, it, this just you know, I mean it's got um um uh, Ian McShane in. Love Child, yeah, you know, and I like him in things. I think, I, I, I think, you know, he, no, his his late career reinvention of of showing up in American things, he's always great when he
2: does. I preferred when he just did the antiquing. King.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, 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 I admit, I, I'm sorry, I admit, I agree. The trailer doesn't. The problem is, Hellboy doesn't look different enough from. Hmm from um Ron Perlman's Hellboy. In a way that I thought the first image made him look like he was, but I think I think almost the fact that it's mostly practical again maybe doesn't serve this movie very well because it ends up looking like the same character with a slightly longer hairdo.
3: <laughs> and and um, I think they've given him the slightly longer hairdo to make up for the fact that he has the shorter chin you know he yeah, david harbor for all that's, that's that's good about him he's not ron perlman he doesn't look like ron perlman hmm. um and you're only ever going to be comparing him to that version because that version you know is is ingrained in people's minds as what hellboy looks like even though you know it's not ex- it's not even that in the comics hellboy looks exactly like that movie version <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just uh, that
2: version was so big yeah An introduction for most people.
3: Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, I mean, that's what. Even with the comics that you've recommended on the podcast, that's Hellboy to me is. I mean, also just it's that movie.
2: That that scene in Hellboy in the trailer was set in London, right?
1: Yeah. At the start, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. and yet you have the police guys going like, "Everyone off the sidewalk or something." It's like, "Are you sure? Are you sure?" (laughs) Like it, does what, not, it does not suggest a great amount of care being taken in the production.
1: What I do... Uh, you never know. That could just be ADR for a trailer or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, uh, what I do like... I don't think it looks completely naff and cheap. It just doesn't look like Guillermo del Toro's visual world. Um, and what I do like from the look of this trailer is uh, Daniel Day Kim is an so actor I like. I'm, I'm glad he's in there. And I think Milie Ovevich, this is kind of the role she's, the kind of role that she's born to play. Um, a kind of big, hammy comic book villain is what I want to see Milie Ovevich doing. So I'll, 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 I will give it that and I'll try and, try and go in with an open mind. But I think it is very hard to get excited about this when you know the alternative is, or was, Hellboy 3. Which, it sounds like a lot of people wanted to get made, but they just couldn't figure it out. It it, it reminds me an an awful lot, the whole situation of the transition from Spider-Man 3 to The Amazing Spider-Man, in Hmm. that a lot of people involved wanted to make Spider-Man 4. They couldn't make it happen. And within two years in cinemas, was this new version of Spider-Man that was... The character wasn't as good as the one that we had. The main character wasn't as good as the one we had before director and the visuals weren't as good as the one we had before and it kind of looked like the same thing again in spite of that so you're like well, what's the point and i kind of feel like this movie has a hell of a lot a hell of a lot of work to do in terms of convincing us this was the point it'll be interesting though so uh Hellboy we can look forward to uh later in the year um our last bit of comic book news we're we're we haven't talked about this on the podcast and um we have to because one of our hosts <laughs> is Sepp. Um John McHale and then um more recently Luke Wilson have both been cast in the Starman adaptation. Well,
3: the Star Girl uh, is the show. Well yes, yeah, sorry, in, <laughs>
1: sta- in Star in Stargirl. Yeah. But specifically John McHale has been cast as which Starman? Sepp, I know there are multiple.
3: Well, that's the thing. Oh.
2: <laughs>
3: and that's my gripe. Well, it's not a massive gripe, but I'm going to gripe about it anyway because that's <laughs> if what I'm is to do. you don't like Starman, skip
2: ahead 20 minutes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of. Starman, specifically of the D '90s Starman series, that was actually all about every version of Starman that there are been, because it's a name that's been used a lot by DC. um to and give, that's the one that you recommended me, right? I've recommended it. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what yeah. I re- recommended it in relation to, um, but I'm also writing a series of deep dive annotation articles on the Cinematic Universe website, and um, because the series is so dense in references to superhero history, to the history of that character, to the history of other DC characters, and all. Also to like pop culture and stuff because one of the hooks of the series is that the latest version of starman um is a reluctant hero who spends most of his time dealing collectibles um so the thing about starman is yeah it's a name that's been used a lot and i'm just to give you an example i'm going to run down a list of all of the proper in continuity in canon uh characters who've used the name starman so you've got ted knight Uh, you've got the the original Starman you've got the Starman of 1951 whose identity I won't give away because it's a spoiler for very late in the Starman the 90s Starman series Uh, you've got Mikhail Thomas from the 70s you've got Prince Gavin from the early 80s Uh, oh I've I've skipped past Bruce Wayne who was Starman in for one issue of of Detective Comics in 1957 Uh, Will Payton who was Starman in the late 80s David Knight, who was very briefly Starman in both the late uh, late 80s and at the beginning of the Starman series, and Jack Knight, uh, who is Starman for the duration of the 90s series. Tom Caller, also known as Danny Blaine, who is a Starman from the future, and Faris Knight, who is a Starman from the future. So, what was that? Like, eight or nine? I went through there. <laughs> None of them are... It's the Starman-verse. <laughs> yeah, I, that is a film I would watch. I really would. <laughs> I might be the only person, but I would. Um... <laughs> Not on that list of names is a character called Sylvester Pemberton. Guess which version of Starman Joel McHale is playing in the <laughs> Stargirl <laughs> TV series?
1: <laughs> Here's the thing though, Seth. Right, Do uh, you think that Stargirl is there to be a Stargirl series no. with a character consistent? No, called I can, no and, I, and, I can, and they don't right, actually. I, w- care I will
3: tell about you that. the process that they've gone through. Um, and, and I can see exactly what they're doing and what they're doing from a, in terms of making this show 100% make sense. So let me further explain who Sylvester Pemberton is and where Stargirl comes from, right? Okay. So Sylvester Pemberton was a character It was created in, in 1941 by Jerry Siegel, co-creator of Superman, and he was a character called the Star-Spangled Kid, uh, totally unrelated to starman that's that's the thing you've got to, got to get out of the way first is that he it's, it's not that he was created at the same time as or in relation to starman he's got no connection to him except for the fact that um they were both i don't even think he was in the justice society but he was around in in the 1940s the hook of uh the star spangled kid was you know how in the 40s like basically every superhero was like uh, every adult superhero had a kid sidekick The Star Spangled Kid was a kid superhero with an adult sidekick called Stripesy. So you have the Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy. And Stripesy (laughs) had a a friend who was a mechanic um, called Pat Duggan, who was his sidekick, right? So that's who Sylvester Pemberton is. Then much later on uh, in the 80s, um, ignore stuff to do with time, how time works in terms of people getting pulled out of time and then arriving in the 80s. But essentially in the 80s, uh, Sylvester Pemberton joined/slash uh, formed a team called Infinity Inc. and he took the name Skyman, not Starman, because there had already been various other versions of Starman. Like as an adult, he was known as Skyman. Um, in the towards the end of the James Robinson 1990s Starman series, um, a new character was introduced. But actually, well, no, she was introduced during the Justice Society. But a character called uh, Courtney Whitmore, who was the second Star Spangled Kid. Um, And the reason for that is that she was the stepdaughter of Pat Duggan, who had been stripesy um so she takes on the identity of star spangled kid and fights crime alongside a robot built by pat duggan called stripe S- like it like a like an acronym s-t-r-i-p-e so that's like the second star spangled kid and stripes is basically courtney and this robot and i think we've probably talked about this before when we've mentioned her on the podcast but the thing about uh courtney is that she was created by jeff johns and based on jeff john's sister who died in the twa 800 disaster um So the connection with Starman was that um, something that was kind of retconned. Is everyone still listening? Um,
2: Just about. (laughs) You're still there. I I need a diagram of this, to be honest.
3: (laughs) A retcon that was introduced in the 90s Starman series to basically explain why Sylvester Pemberton had never become Starman. Because from a point in, I think, about the 70s, as as the Star Spangled Kid slash Skyman, he actually used some of Ted Knight, the original Starman's technology he had like his cosmic rod and a converter belt that gave him his powers but he never became Starman and the 90s series on this in that he was going to be Starman, he was going to take the name but at the last minute he kind of felt that he didn't want to take on that lineage and he actually got the name Skyman ironically when jack knight who was an annoying punk teenager at this point um said something like just offhandedly said to him as he was leaving oh take care in the sky man and that's where he got the name skyman from so sylvester pemberton was never starman he was always skyman what they're obviously doing which brings me all the way to this the premise of this new star girl tv show is that star girl is the stepdaughter of a guy who used to be the sidekick to a superhero and she becomes the new and um she um because sorry yeah courtney becomes star girl i didn't explain that one um when when jack retires as being starman um he gives her his cosmic rod that sounds like a horrible phrase to phrase it that way it's really difficult mm-hmm. to write stuff about starman and when you're having to use the phrase cosmic rod all the time it's a big staff that gives it that he uses to fly around she takes Doesn't on that sound any better no. She takes on that and becomes Stargirl. She stops being the Star Spangled Kid and she becomes Stargirl. Um, what they're obviously doing with this show is she's become Stargirl alongside the robot Stripes. Um, and that uh, that back in the past, instead of be instead of having to explain all of that stuff that I just spent about ten minutes explaining, it's just the case that her dad was the sidekick to a character called Starman cuz that makes much more sense and if you're doing that it might as well be Sylvester Pemberton because you're not bringing in the Ted Knight Jack Knight lineage so it completely makes sense it's just the reason that i'm annoyed is if i see the words so and so is playing Starman in a tv show i'm like oh my god finally they're doing Ted Knight or Jack Knight and they're not and i'm disappointed cuz i love those characters so um yes <laughs> That might so, be the if longest you're enjoying the show, concept then we've ever done.
1: please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player, <laughs> family, Podcasts, <have> a choice. <laughs> uh, Seb, are you mostly upset because uh, you've you've had your casting choices in mind for yes, Starman for a long time? Ted Danson, right?
3: Yeah, I I I've, I've said this so many times before, but yeah, if you're doing flashbacks to a young Ted Knight, you have Patrick Wilson, and the old present day Ted Knight is Ted Danson. He just he just I'm- is.
1: I'm just. I'm looking back at the, an article you have on the Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. website um, about who you would cast in this. Yeah. The problem is, is that they're all in other superhero movies. That's not a so problem. Go- <laughs> well, no, it's not. But I mean, I think with some of these, it might be. Yeah. Uh, you've got Miles Teller, Benedict Cumberbatch, Karen Gillan, Jamie Alexander, Patrick Wilson, all in there, who yeah. are all, uh, <laughs> yeah, doing their superheroing elsewhere currently. Maybe not Miles Teller.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's free on the on the superhero yeah. front.
2: I'm ready to talk yeah. about Supergirl now. I never thought I'd say it, by him. <laughs> uh we
1: should just uh I don't think we need to discuss this because we've discussed it already, but we should uh mention that it has been confirmed that the Vision and Scarlet Witch TV show is going to be coming uh to Disney Plus this year. Um a Lady Sith TV show continues to be rumoured, which is interesting, which is why I was reminded of that. Um, And also there are the rumours that continue um, about a potential Young Avengers movie in the MCU's future, uh, with one of the characters featuring in that being Wiccan, who I believe is the son of Scarlet Witch and Vision.
2: One of the two, yeah.
1: Yeah, so... um, Right, now let me tell you about the
3: history of the Vision.
1: No! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what we will do now is um, move on to our spoiler-filled discussion of uh, the 1984 movie Supergirl. Uh, So take a deep breath, listen to this little bit from the movie, and we will return with that spoiler-filled chat straight away afterwards.
0: She came halfway across the universe in search of a cosmic power source that could save her world from destruction. Who is she? Who on Earth are you? You know, I think I recognize the costume. From the producers of Superman, Alexander Solkind presents
4: Supergirl in her first great adventure. Wait a minute, wait one minute. I mean, you can do the whole number, leap tall buildings with a single bound. You can look right through things. Yes. Ben steel bars? Yes. Like Superman. He's my cousin.
0: Whoa. Supergirl sent to Earth on a secret mission that brings her face to face with diabolical villains.
4: I'm considering nothing less than world domination. Unspeakable evil.
0: Super action. Faye away
2: Now I am really upset.
4: Peter
0: O'Toole. My neighbors know the criminals, the corrupt, the evil.
3: They're here, over the hill there, with no way out. Peter Cook. What's in it for me? Me. Brenda
0: Vaccaro. Hi. Mark McClure. Hi, Jimmy Olson photographer. Hart Buckner. And introducing Helen Slater as Supergirl.
1: Okay, first film of 2019 is 1984 Supergirl. We started off 2018 with The Dark Knight and we're starting off 2019 with Supergirl.
2: <laughs> that barrel well, honestly listeners. scraped, isn't it?
1: listeners it's gonna be fun i promise um but first of all and here's how i know it's gonna be fun james is so excited he wants to play a little game
2: yeah because i was asking seb whether he thought supergirl was the worst superhero movie we had covered according to the rotten tomatoes rating
1: famously reliable flawless rotten tomatoes
2: yeah exactly um (laughs) so i've identified the bottom six movies Seb, I'm going to play higher or lower with you, and see if you can make it to the end.
3: That's oh, so just not me and Joe. It's just me. Okay.
2: If you lose, if you get it wrong, it goes over to Joe.
1: No. So. It's like Bruce's price is right? No. no. <laughs> Bruce's what? Play your cards. Play your cards right. right. That was the yeah.
2: one. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start off with Venom. Now, I feel like this might be quite an easy one. Venom is twenty-eight percent. So what do you think? <laughs> Do you, what? What's surprising about that? Eighty-two <laughs> percent. Do you think spawn was higher or lower than Venom Seb? Lower. Lower. Yeah. Spawn was eighteen percent.
3: Okay. Ooh. So,
2: what? It should be one point eight percent.
3: That is surprisingly high.
2: So, this is going to be a tough one. I think. I think if you can make it past this, you'll probably get to the end.
3: But
2: <laughs> Nick Fury, higher or lower than Spawn? Higher. No. Oh. 16%. Joe, oh. you're in You're in play. Suicide Squad, higher or lower than Nick Fury?
3: Oh, it's got to be higher. Is this
1: Definitely. critical
3: or audience, by the way?
2: This is critical.
3: Critical. Because okay. yeah. if it was audience, Suicide Squad's probably got about 95 or something.
1: Audiences <laughs> yeah. don't
2: know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> well, Suicide Squad... Mean- <laughs> um, our
1: listeners did just vote Infinity War as the best movie in twenty eighteen, so
2: <laughs> Suicide Squad twenty seven percent. So this oh, is the
1: big Oh one. I actually thought it would be higher than that.
2: <laughs> really? Interesting. Yeah. Fantastic four, higher or lower than Super than Suicide Squad.
1: Lower. We are like. talking. Sorry, we are absolutely... talking Josh Tranks. Yes, yes, yes. I was assuming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that got absolutely savage, so I'm going to go lower.
2: Nine percent for Fantastic wow. Four. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And now here's the big one, Joe. This is to win the game. Was Supergirl higher or lower than Fantastic Four?
3: Um. Can I guess as well?
1: <laughs> it, I mean, let's. Yeah, let's. I mean, it, Seb, you you can go for it because. Unfortunately, I know the answer to this
4: one, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 I'll let you
3: call it. I'm going to say higher. I'm going to say it got higher
1: than it,
2: it is. It is actually higher, although it has in the past been lower. <laughs> Someone has reappraised it. It is currently ten percent. I found a page online that referred to it as having a seven percent rating at one point.
1: <laughs> okay, but currently, so I want ten to...
2: percent. So it is officially the second worst film we have ever covered.
1: I want to dig into this. Um... I bought Supergirl on DVD, Impulse Buy, in a shop two or three years ago, knowing we would get to it on the podcast. And I, I feel like I've suggested it every six months, and Seb has been like, uh, and I guess I should have known from that that, like, what, Seb doesn't want to cover a, <laughs> you know, a Superman-related property.
3: I but feel I like just... you're mis- I No, I'm sorry. I, I would have suggested it. I think it's just more about no, timing. Been, it, yeah, I, yeah, I've never said it, I don't want to do...
1: No, no, that. it's just it's been one of those that every so often I've gone, what about Supergirl? And we've kind of gone... Eh, and we've ended up not doing it. <laughs> um, and th- I, and I know that I was suggesting it because I had the DVD sat there. Um, but I don't think I was aware of this film's reputation because i mean i i know that i knew that it wasn't like something that people held up as being great but i didn't realize it i didn't realize it was as bad as it was (laughs) i was i I was five minutes into the movie and i went oh oh no what
2: what (laughs) What have i done what is
1: what is peter o'toole doing (laughs) why is why is mia farrow there should I tell you what I thought? Wh- where is where is this place? It looks like something that one of the machines in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory has coughed up.
2: About About 25 minutes into this movie, I checked how long it was and nearly fell out of my chair. Because I could not believe that a film this bad was going to go on for this long. Like, Generation X is bad and cheap, but at least it's short.
3: I don't don't think it's as bad as as you two think. Uh, It's not a good film. Um, But uh, (laughs) I had the same realisation when I was probably about 70 minutes in, and I checked the time, assuming that it had about 20 (laughs) minutes left. Yeah. Uh, and it had about fifty minutes
2: left. the The last forty minutes of this movie are the longest forty minutes I've ever had in my entire life
1: i I don't think it's that it is like unwatchably bad.
3: It's not spawn. I'm sorry, it's not no,
1: no, it's not but i I kind of for me it sat in that comfortable in like a comfortable middle place between I was never quite sure wherever I was watching a worst movie of the year contender or a Howard T. Duck Award contender. Like it feels like it almost exists halfway in between. There are scenes where I'm like, oh, this movie knows exactly how ridiculous it is, or like at least they're embracing the campiness and the nonsense here. And then other times where I was just like
2: nodding off. Um It does have it does have the air of a film that has been shot entirely through a sheet of Vaseline. <laughs> Like yeah, I mean, everything it's... about it is soft focus. I mean, that's. I so, mean, that's... Should we start? Should
4: we well, start
1: separate? Because I thought you could maybe explain to us the the <laughs> genesis of this movie. So it came out in nineteen eighty four, which I believe was after Superman three. So after we are... Superman three, yeah. So we're covering this kind of right in the chronology of the
3: original Superman movies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it is a part of that series. It's unquestionably a part of that series.
1: Yeah, is this the first cinematic universe? Um.
3: Yeah, because a it it shout,
1: has isn't there? Yeah. It has the I mean I, I mean I'm sure probably some serials or something or, or on t- TV shows might have crossed or would have crossed over. Um but this feels like yeah, maybe the first time that the movies made an attempt to do it.
2: Yeah. Mm. I certainly can't think of an example earlier off the top of my head.
1: I mean, it does it in a kind of lip servicey kind of way. Um but This is the same world that Mm. Christopher Reeve Superman exists in. There is a connection to Lois Lane. Jimmy Olsen turns up.
3: Um, There was going to be a Christopher Reeve uh, cameo, but
1: he didn't. Which is surprising.
4: (laughs) <laughs> yes
1: they do um, uh we should i, I right think we're front, going to yeah. i think we're going to have to explain all of our like knowing little asides and gags as we go because i imagine a lot of people won't have seen super Supergirl and we and we i promise we will dig into the actual plot of the movie that i'm gonna make seb explain all kinds <laughs> of things um but yeah very early so, on this <laughs> it's, it's I mean, it's so weird, right? The whole, the, all of the connections to the Superman movie. It's as if someone had been told, or, or, or as if it's a movie that isn't actually related to the Superman movie. So they're trying to dance around the fact that they don't have the IP and you know, kind of just you nod, know, and, nod and wink towards it.
2: You know the time when Buffy and Angel were on separate networks?
4: <laughs> right. And they, yes. They were
2: like making half a phone call each, and then meeting off screen. It's a bit like that.
3: <laughs> but it's 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 kind of surprising that there isn't because of the fact. Partly, the director got the job because he'd made somewhere in time um, with Christopher Reeve, uh, <laughs> which you haven't if you've never seen it. It's a lovely film. Uh, right. But I think it also. Uh, and it was um, it was our former podcast Andrew Ellard that said this on Twitter that you have to look to understand this film. You do have to look at it in relation to the filmography of of Janot Swatch, or however you pronounce his name. Sorry, um, and no idea. that's a filmography that includes somewhere in time, which is a time travel romance uh, with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour, and uh, Santa Claus the Movie. And I think and I, I think Andrew's right that Santa Claus the movie tells you more about this film than any of the Superman films um, because what they've gone and made is it's not a superhero film. It's a romantic fantasy about magic. Um, and, you know, I don't... Um, whether or not that's the... Right decision for the well, obviously it's not the right decision for this. because What they came out with <laughs> right. was a bad movie. It's definitely um, the wrong but decision. But I, I think, I think, I think, because what I think is interesting about, I'd, we'll kind of get into it more about about the premise and about what it does with the the premise and the relationship to Superman and what they do with Argo City and all of that. But what I, I what I feel like has happened here is. Um, obviously, as, as as we were talking about the production background, yeah, they decided to do this because Superman three had done really badly, and I think at this point, they were, after Superman three, they were probably having trouble persuading Christopher Reeve to come back, and we know that they only persuaded him with Superman four by letting him co-write it. Um, and I think so. They've gone okay, so we'll we need we've got the rights to these characters. We'll do something that's in the Superman universe. We'll do Supergirl, and I think at some point, a decision was taken to go. We can't just repeat the story of Superman. Because the thing about Supergirl is that she is a repeat of the story of Superman. She is basically, oh, there was another bit of Krypton that didn't get destroyed straight away, but then got destroyed, and before it got destroyed, they sent her away, and she landed on Earth a little while after Superman. Um, Does it
1: get does it get destroyed?
3: Well, no. The, the, I'm talking about in the in the comics. Oh, not right, the film. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not even sure if in various different tellings of it in the comics, it may be that it doesn't necessarily... I'm pretty sure that in the original telling... The idea is that Argo City was a chunk of Krypton that got blasted off into space. And then I think there was like a meteor shower or something. So uh, I think obviously Zorel and Jorel had very similar ideas. And so Zorel sends sends uh, Kara away. No, in this, it's completely different. And that's my point. And we'll, we'll come to that. I think they've taken the decision to go, okay, we're not just going to tell the same story. We're mm. going to tell a different story. And well, but- <laughs> and
1: I think probably also assuming that Superman, I, I'm, I'm assuming here had some degree of cultural recognition before the '79 movie. Yeah, '79.
3: Yeah, I mean, Supergirl would have done as yeah. well just by virtue but, of being Supergirl.
1: <laughs> yes, but probably, but probably less so that yeah. people might have been aware of Kryptonite and that he came from Krypton. And but mm. I, I imagine with Supergirl, it was like
3: I think with Supergirl, that's, if that's yeah, the female, Supergirl. exactly. If you if you do the same thing as Superman again. Um, the the film-going audience won't know that you're doing what the comics did. They'll just go, oh, you've just done a movie that's a girl version of Superman and it's exactly the same story. So that I can understand.
1: I I feel like now, if you're making a Supergirl movie, uh, some version of what they've done on the TV show is what they would roll with because it makes sense, Mm -hmm. which is that Kara was older than... Mm.
3: Clark, mm-hmm. which was always, which that that spin yeah. came on in the two in the two thousands. Probably one of the few things that was any good about the Jeff lowe created two thousands <laughs> yeah, version. It's
2: one of the things that actually makes sense is that she was sent with him to be his guardian and and just and got knocked later. off course.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a great idea. Yeah, mm. such a great idea.
3: Um, but they didn't come yeah. up with that for this. Um no, and instead they, they came up with. Can anyone tell me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's go into it. So I'm I'm going to read from the Wikipedia to an extent. I mean, just but just I just, need I need some kind of crutch.
3: Just just before we kind of go into discussing the film itself, because um, obviously the, the, I did just want to. I think talk a little bit. I mean, obviously you you've explained Joe that you had you had not seen this before doing the podcast at all. No, no, no. no. Um, it doesn't have a great relationship. Uh, great relationship. It doesn't have a great reputation. Um, but it is a film that I mean, I first saw this in the 80s um i I think the first superman film i actually saw was superman 3 and then i think i saw this um and i think while it isn't a good film I, i you know watching it now i remembered a lot of it because i remembered watching it probably over and over again um and it you know it is kind of the reason why i like the character of supergirl and helen slater's portrayal of the character you know is something that i think has had a profound effect on me <laughs> throughout the rest of my life and being a fan of the character which is why it was so disappointing when a few years ago um i got her to sign a comic and she got my name wrong um <laughs> so i, I have got, I've, I've got a copy of the comic book adaptation of the supergirl movie uh, signed to sam love helen slater oh no <laughs> Cost me I mean that hits the mark about as well as her performance
2: did. in this movie. If we're being fair,
3: <laughs> I, I, well, we'll get into that. I, I think she <laughs> we will get into that. <laughs> does a good job. And we can get I'm, into it now.
2: I, I, I think, think the word performance is too generous. I, don't, I don't. She's definitely she's reading the lines. I'm not sure she's there.
1: I, don't, I, don't, I don't. She's. I don't think she's terrible. She's not given much to act off of, is she?
2: She does a lot what? of staring and smiling and pausing i i don't i don't think you can you
3: can really sort of judge by normal standards of of acting in inverted commas um someone who has obviously like stepped in from a magical realm and and become this magical figure that, that a film about magic gets created around so i
1: right. mean she yeah she does she does seem like um like some otherworldly kind of fairy or something,
3: doesn't she? Yeah,
1: um, It's
2: definitely more like angel, fairy, fantasy territory than superhero. I'll, I'll yeah, give it that.
4: But, but that's
3: the thing, I, and that's I, why I don't think, think she... she's acting. I, think, I, I just think she literally just is that. <laughs> and nobody uh, noticed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think given the performances that she mostly has to interact with, which are either huge or non-existent, <laughs> um, I, I, it, it's such a tough job for her and i think that are you, are you,
4: are you being um,
3: cruel about Hart buchner's performance because
4: y- <laughs> let me <yes>. tell you <laughs> I, um, th- I think
3: i think if i think it's a candidate for worst performance we've ever seen in anything <laughs> on this geez. podcast but we'll get to that
1: <laughs> but i think she's i think she does i think she does the kind of starry eyed dreamlike thing Pretty well, and I think that she convinces just enough in the costume. She looks fairly heroic, and I and, and honestly, in the movie she's in, I don't walk away going that was the problem.
3: Yeah, I, I, I oh, think yeah, I think sure. if, yeah, yeah. if if anyone or anything carries the film, it's her. And again, I appreciate I'm probably slightly biased on this, but um, you know, I... this is a
1: movie that stars Peter O'Toole. <laughs> and Peter O'Toole if you didn't know who he was you would be like fucking hell I mean like it's like Trevor Slattery's in it
3: <laughs> quite literally it is, later on <laughs>
1: it's just it is, it, the, this bizarre bizarre performance as if as if uh, O'Toole walked onto the set looked at the design of Argo City in this first scene and went oh I get it my character is on drugs.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that was the performance he delivered. So let's kick let's kick things off with the plot. So Kara zor lives in an... So this describes it as an isolated Kryptonian community called Argo City in a pocket of trans-dimensional space. And it's good that Wikipedia
3: so, explains that because the movie doesn't.
1: No, Hello. so the, what the movie does is kind of say, here is Argo City... It's like this little bubble town. It has something to do with Krypton, because they all know about Krypton. They all know about Superman being on Earth. Mm. Do they and even they... actually
3: call themselves Kryptonian?
1: <sighs> it's just, it's. I, I, I mean, to be honest, it's very hard to decipher a lot from it. It's just, it's such a weird scene. Don't you think it looks like like something weird and unpolumpurish uh, like like it's out of a roll dial story it's it's a it's a bizarre bizarre set and Peter O'Toole is there giving this very <laughs> odd performance and like I say Mia Farrow's there in the background as Kara's mum um Laura, yeah but e- even in the course of the scene I'm not quite sure what's going on so Peter O'Toole is playing saltar. Mm. and she says zoltar allows kara to see a unique and immensely powerful item known as the omega hedron okay so we've got a MacGuffin, which he has borrowed without the knowledge of the city <laughs> government and which powers the city so here is this MacGuffin. that is the entire r- way that this city that was maybe something to do with krypton but is still around, is powered, and he's just gone and borrowed it,
2: and he's just because... like knocking it around and mm. juggling yeah, with because... it
1: and stuff. And he, well, he shows it to Kara, doesn't he? And then people come, people come up to him and talk to him, and they're like grilling him because it, there's a problem. There's a problem on Argo City, isn't there? Is there something that that is already going wrong that he's trying to fix? I can't remember. I can't I'm not remember. even
3: sure. I no, I don't think.
1: But doesn't it doesn't someone come along and grill him and that's when he like knocks the omegahedron back to car? I think
2: I assumed they were asking him why the omegahedron was gone or like yeah. the effects of what removing the omegahedron were were causing problems. It's basically Yeah,
3: had. it has this this incredible power source that he's nicked to dick around with yeah. and as a result of him nicking it the city's going to fall apart and then it gets lost.
2: But he
1: carries himself with the gravitas that he is a guy that is well, he's clearly written like his respect around there. Is, is mm. there the implication that he's all, he was almost the one who set up Argo City? That he's the reason why they're all so alive? I get the Maybe. impression
2: he's like some renegade inventor.
3: I think, yeah, he's just like a teacher or something, isn't he? He's
2: just like
3: yeah. he's just that he's, he's, he's the teacher who, like, you know, invites the kids back for you know a party afterwards, like, uh, you yeah, know, the gives the them drinks and cigarettes. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> So he gives this uh megahedron to Kara and he's like showed her that I oh, like oh it's so powerful you can kind of think things into existence um and so she thinks a butterfly into existence
2: or like a stick th- insect thing
1: yeah and then there's a commotion and in the panic the uh, the like butterfly thing bursts a hole in the side of the city which looks like it's made out of cellophane
2: yes <laughs> and off it flies into nothingness
1: yeah so that everyone's
2: out the Ome- like oh i guess that's gone forever and we're all dead now
1: yeah and then kara goes in what's presented as a heroic act like kara decides on her own oh well g- g- there's that spaceship thing up there i'm gonna jump in that and go after the omegahedron
2: I do, I like in that scene how uh, Zoltar, which is Peter O'Toole's character, yeah. essentially goes, are all dead now, they're going to put me in the Phantom Zone as punishment. It's like, but you're all about to die, aren't you? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, it's like it's he'll, sort of... he'll actually be saved as punishment yeah. for killing yeah. them all.
1: We're going to punish you by keeping you alive. I'm going to throw this out there. I think in general, the Phantom Zone, it hasn't proved effective. <laughs> 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 Yeah. And I mean, and we'll come back to it because it doesn't seem like a very secure jail in this movie either. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so Supergirl flies off after the Omegahedron in an act which is presents as heroic but is essentially her saving her own life and leaving behind the rest of Argo City can I just, to die.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's like, if she doesn't come back, she's fine. Yes. <laughs> um, can I also just at this point, before we move on from Argo City, because I think moving on from Argo City is, is the best thing to do, um, I think the, the one of the biggest... It's not a major misstep, because I don't think you even really notice it, but um, I think the most unrealistic thing about this movie... Uh, is the oh and actually I I like by the way the, the this film's version of the stunt casting from superman of having um, Marlon Brando in it for 10 minutes as uh, Jor-El is to have Mia Farrow in it for 5 minutes as Allura um to basically I think deliver about 3 lines of dialogue and then never be seen again um, but I, th- I, I think I think with the most unrealistic I saw
1: it, I was like is this Mia Farrow that is yeah, it's Mi- that yeah, is yeah, Mia it's Farrow, Farrow right as, as and then Supergirl's mom. and then I'm yep. and I'm watching it and going but if it was Mia Farrow she'd be doing something
3: yeah. <laughs> but i think the most unrealistic thing the film does is um now nothing against the actor uh, Simon Ward a british character actor who's played many roles over the years sadly no longer with us um the idea that this Zorel is Marlon Brando's brother is i think the least realistic part of this entire film because he's just he's just this little round british man and um yeah, again he's got about two lines and no gravitas or authority and it's like come on mate you're superman's uncle. Uh, Do you know what
1: I didn't even when watching the movie that didn't even cross my mind because that wasn't a possibility.
3: Yeah. Well the film gives you no explanation for how or why she's superman's cousin. She just says I'm superman's cousin. And and that's it. And even I mean the whole question of, you know, he mentions Zoltar mentions Earth, and she goes, "Oh, where my cousin went?" And it's like, okay, so how do you know? Have you got like video screens on Earth where you could... Because we'll come to this <laughs> later because it'll become I mean, more yeah, relevant. She, it
2: turns out she knows a lot.
3: <laughs> she knows a lot about his life. Doesn't bother to go and see him, and even I know, I know she's got to rush back to get the Omega. Hedron she can't back, go and but... <laughs> see him,
2: Seb, because as they explain. He has gone on a mission to space or some... Oh, that's
3: nonsense. true. But he would be back eventually. She could wait around for him to come back. <laughs> There's just... No, but all,
1: all of that's all of the connective tissue is basically them going... So imagine that Kara has been watching the first three Superman movies.
3: <laughs> all, all it's basically done is it goes, look... You know that she's connected to Superman. We know you know she's connected to Superman. We're not going to bother to actually explain or come up with a reason for it. <laughs> In that sense, yeah. it
2: is very cinematic universe Because it just goes, <laughs> oh, you know she's his cousin. We know she's his cousin. Just accept it.
1: Yeah. Oh, but then it... <laughs> other than by being a supergirl movie by name really doesn't have any need for her to be related to superman
2: no it
1: could just it could just be a story where supergirl goes to earth saves the day and comes back again
3: Mm. the thing is like she could go to earth and if she didn't happen to be wearing a superman costume if she was just wearing like kryptonian clothes she could go to earth and do whatever she's got to do Well, no, but just she wouldn't have to have like the she would you wouldn't have to have the entire part of the film that is her going to school and having a secret identity, which she does for pretty much no reason, (laughs) because she hasn't got an identity to protect. She invents a secret identity to hide the fact that she's on Earth. But it's like no, you just you 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 dressed as you dressed like Superman. People will go, oh, it's like Superman but Supergirl. You'll do what you've got to do and then you'll go home again. She yeah, doesn't I mean, actually we, need to fit in on her.
2: We should go back and do the plot thing because that's what happens. Like she leaves Argo City in this weird pod. She arrives on Earth in her supergirl costume now. Yes <laughs> because <laughs> so strange. Not? It just happens. And then the and then Omega- she says, the oh. megahedron a- arrives on Earth and gets picked up by a witch.
3: And Peter like Cook. an
2: actual witch, an actual witch.
1: Yes, witch of Peter Cook. Can can I just for one second before we dig into this because I don't. Peter O'Toole, guys, wh- do you think they approached David Bowie first <laughs> and he said no? Because <laughs> it feels like that's maybe what Peter O'Toole's doing. I'm just I'm just baffled by that performance. It is one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Or is it just me? <laughs> right, it's. <laughs> It's bad. It's really it bad, bad right? yeah. I mean, I don't normally, uh, like, agree with anything that the Razzies do. Uh, but they nominated Peter O'Toole for a, <laughs> for a worst actor, um, Golden Raspberry. And fair enough. Okay, right. So, on Earth. So, James, you're right. The Omegahedron is recovered by Selena, who is a power-hungry, would-be-witch... Who is assisted by the feckless Bianca, and I think probably kind of think Hocus Pocus for those. Yeah,
2: definitely. It's that it's that
1: level of like.
3: I just think, oh, that's Joey's mum from Friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um and she is seeking to release herself from a relationship with Warlock Nigel.
2: <laughs> is he a Warlock? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's got he? he knows how to use the Omegahedron, right? so he must be a is... warlock in that sense. And well, this again, is this that is this
1: very is... very bizarrely peter cook.
3: Yeah. I do, I, I think there's I, what I find quite interesting about the this film is that it what it does is it sets up these characters who are in they are in a coven and like they're, they're talking about starting their own coven. So like they they're into this kind of witch and warlock and magic thing. But obviously cuz magic isn't real, um they don't actually <laughs> they can't actually do magic spells. They're trying to do magic spells. And I think, you know, they are essentially... They formed one of these covens that's like, we're going to have parties and con people out of their money. Um, Then the Omegahedron turns up and basically gives Selina the ability to cast spells because she's got the Omegahedron. But somewhere along the way, the film kind of forgets that. And as the film goes on... Magic kind of becomes real because stuff starts to, they start to do stuff that sort of, it's like the Omega Hedron is boosting it. But also, like it kind of implies that there mag—they do have magical. They have a bit of magical power, they and have like the some wand of the of berundial. Yeah, it. that bit where he's got that wand and stuff, and it's like that. It's implied that that is actually adding to the power of it, and it's like, where has this come from? Because I thought the point earlier on was that you were a bunch of con artists. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe
2: it's a very subtle thing where her use of the Omegahedron is making her subconscious desires real. Possibly. She's altered reality to make magic real.
3: I think you've thought about it more than they did.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly what happened here is at some point they rewrote the script, but not properly.
3: Mm. And yeah, so so um, P- Peter Cook is Nigel, who is both a warlock and a teacher at an all-girls school and yeah. is, is definitely a pervert.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, definitely. And we should mention Selena is played by Faye Dunaway as well. So, I mean, they've got... After, they've
3: got after, a after of Dolly Cassidy Parton up. turned down the role. Wow. Yeah. Imagine, imagine being Faye Dunaway and taking a role that Dolly Parton's turned down.
1: I mean, I, I, I don't have too much of a problem with this performance because it's. I think it's kind of what the Plushcare.com dot com slash weight loss all um, asks for but it's 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 just strange. It's it's not the kind of thing especially knowing the Superman movies that you expect to be here and I and I get the I get the urge to want to do something different. Um I'm not sure I would have done which
2: I mean it, it feels a bit like they went oh this is a girl superhero film, what a girl mm. villains are witches. Yeah, yes. yeah, because she's the, got I,
3: no precedent in the, the comics or anything like that. Uh, and
1: I think a lot of times in the movie, this it, the, the film goes, oh, and what should we do because she's a girl? Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I think it's all, at, like, obviously there is a romance that's at the centre of Superman mm. as well. It feels like their approach to the romance in this movie is a lot,
3: yeah, it's, and it, it 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 comes back to what I was saying before about how it's like they've gone, uh, because this is a female character. We can't play it as a superhero movie. We we have to put it in a different genre. And so what they've done instead is they've made this magical romance fantasy movie, and it, and it does feel like they've gone because that's what girls are like. Um, and you know, legitimately,
2: it's... if this if this film like was about a girl riding a magic horse instead of a superhero you'd go like <laughs> yeah that makes sense
3: yeah incidentally yeah. uh two other films that this film's writer david adele uh is credited on are uh masters of the universe <laughs> <laughs> so he has made a worse film in the night a worse fantasy film in the 1980s than this well i coming,
1: coming through a podcast near you soon
3: <laughs> and the dark crystal you wrote screenplay <laughs> for the dark crystal So he's done a better 1980s fantasy film than this. (laughs) Uh, But the point is, I think that tells you um, where his sensibilities are. And he worked on The Muppet Show and stuff as well. Um, But yeah, and as I say, you know, you look at the director as well. And it's like, these are not people who you've hired to do Superman, but with a female lead character.
2: No. Masters of the Universe, 17% on Rotten Tomatoes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The, the the links Penciling. between Masters of the Universe and Superman 4 are, are fascinating and yeah. <laughs>
2: we'll get to it.
1: I genuinely can't wait. Um so let's go back to Kara. Uh Supergirl arrives on Earth, she discovers that she has new powers on Earth. That goes fairly swiftly, right? It's like that,
2: that I think is the one sequence in this movie that I thought Oh, that was quite well executed, where she discovers her powers. Mm. and yes that's one of the
3: bits i really remember as well from kind of yeah
2: yeah like admittedly they make it like a girly version of that so she's like (laughs) opening flowers and you know flying through the forest or whatever but on the level of she's on earth and she's got superpowers and she's enjoying it that is a well executed sequence
1: and also you know what the power set is you don't need to be bored by this yeah exactly yeah what I like less is that she lands down on Earth and female superheroes walking along. What is the first thing that will happen? Oh, someone's
3: going to try and rape her. Not just someone. <laughs> oh no. But yes, I mean that is a like getting past the fact that it's our it's our Matt Frewer appearance uh, is his third appearance on this podcast. I think that is a such a.
1: What was the first? Was it? It, so I know he's in Watchmen. Yeah, that yeah. Is. yeah. Uh, I, can't unf- remember, unf- I can't remember him. In
3: unfortunately, that. we won't do Honey I Shrunk the Kids on this podcast, which is <laughs> one of his better roles. Generation
2: uh, X is the other one, just for completeness' sake. Yes,
3: if anyone, yes. yeah, didn't recall. Uh, I think I waxed lyrical about Matt Frewer on enough on on that episode. Uh, no, it's a, it, notwithstanding the fact that it's it's just Matt Frewer popping up to play this character. It's, uh, I mean, in a film that struggles anyway to be coherent. Uh, this is where I think, at least, what you could say for the rest of the film is that if there's one thing that's coherent is that it has a tone, uh, and this scene, yeah. uh, it does not <laughs> have that tone at all. It's so incredibly wildly out of place. It's just and
1: again, I can I can kind of I think get my head around the intention, which is that Cara is down on Earth now. And I think that the the filmmakers are probably thinking, right, we want to show her using her powers. We want to show that she is uh, just as strong as Superman and stronger than the, the men down here who are going to underestimate her. And so here are two guys, but the guys are just like hanging out on some little industrial estate. She walks past them and she's very, she's very innocent and doesn't know what's going on on Earth yet. And straight away, they're like, oh, okay, here here is someone that we can assault. And it's just weird. And I didn't like it.
2: I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I completely agree. It's, it's so out of place and so uncomfortable and so just misjudged on every level.
1: But it happens, so we. Can, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, Supergirl kicks their asses and and walks away.
2: I like how one then, of
3: them continues to attempt yeah, after yeah. she's already demonstrated that she's not just dressed as Superman; she is a as stronger as Superman, and he still tries it.
1: Yes, bizarre. Um, but I, I think the the sequence that follows after this is equally bizarre because obviously the movie is the, the movie is intent on getting to a status quo and it kind of doesn't care how it gets there so kara she's followed the path of the omegahedron so she's ended up in the same kind of area as selena because selena has the omegahedron she's she's turned up in this town so she's nearby um she takes it upon herself to uh enroll enroll at an old girls school
2: Yeah, not not take... just pretend to be a student she fully enrolls there <laughs>
1: Yeah, she's just like, oh, I really need to find this a megahedron. Well, give me a second because I need to go to school. Yeah. Uh, so she enrolls at school. She uh, comes up with the name Linda Lee, which is that is that comics Seb? That sounds comics.
3: Yes. I think it's her, obviously- I think it's her original uh, secret identity. Uh, she eventually then gets adopted by the. Danvers is. Uh I did, but I did think it was odd on. that
2: was it the principal in this film was called Danvers. I was like, is is I think they're just be... kind
3: of throwing that in as a reference.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: little easter egg.
2: <laughs> yeah, just to just to keep anyone who knows anything about Supergirl really confused.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so she, she calls herself Linda Lee and then tells everyone that she's the cousin of Clark Kent. Yeah. And it just so happens that also going to this school is a girl called Lucy Lane, who happens to be the younger sister of Lois Lane, and Supergirl (laughs) then befriends her. So, I mean, and it blasts through this in just five minutes of nonsense, where it's like, uh, there, there is no attempt to go... Oh, right, so here's why this coincidence is taking place. The movie just needs to get to the point where she's in this school, she's friends with Lucy Lane, and eventually we will get to the superhero bits again.
2: I've got to say, Maureen Teefy, who plays Lucy Lane, is the least convincing uh, high school student that I've ever seen.
1: She's bad as well, right? She
2: was 31 when this was made and she really <laughs> looks it
3: she was in greece too only a couple of years earlier <laughs> uh which is i think i think she's the only thing that um my wife liked about this film because oh, she really? she recognised her from Greece too, oh. <laughs> um, and I think she was kind of projecting her being her liking her for. I think she, I actually, I think she's all right. I think with I think she's with the very, role she's playing, very
1: irritating.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I think she's meant to be. <laughs> so I th- I think she's succeeding at uh, what she's been asked to do. To be honest, um, I, I she's not the worst thing about this.
1: Film,
4: she just looks so old, along. like no. so well, so no.
2: old. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I you know what I don't I, I don't think it's particularly performance. I think it's the character in general, I think that I don't really know why she's there. Ostensibly to give Supergirl a friend, but they'd never really I mean they don't have any chemistry. <laughs> they don't
2: No, and they, they don't, don't interact they don't, a lot outside of that one room.
1: <laughs> no, so it's just it just it's basically it feels like she's there because they went Oh we could put Lucy Lane in it because that's another character his uh, little sister. It's fine, and and then and then so there she is, um, and everyone just seems to accept the coincidence that. Well, I mean, Lucy seems to accept the coincidence anyway with Kara because I guess it is just a coincidence. Um. It is just
3: a massive coincidence. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so they can have the conversation like, "Oh, my cousin works at the Daily Planet too." Does she know Superman? Oh yeah, she does know Superman.
1: This movie's Agents of Shield, isn't it? <laughs> We're connected to the <laughs> other stuff that you like. We promise.
2: <laughs> Prove it. Jimmy Olsen is there safe. <laughs> and that is that is as well the the scene where it briefly explains that Superman has flown to and a distant galaxy or something, right?
1: It's on a TV in the background. Yeah. Isn't
2: it? Yeah. And that's, that's the story. Superman's not on Earth. He's in a distant galaxy. But I think it's in the background. It, say? it says but, on a mission ca- of some kind. I can't remember what.
1: But I don't think the characters ever address it, right? Do they?
2: No, no.
3: Yeah, so which, be- not- because, I think that that gives you the suspicion, doesn't it, that the film was shot with the expectation that there'd be a Superman scene in there somewhere, and I think the there radio report is ADR'd afterwards.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> he is on a peace-seeking mission to
2: a distant galaxy. Peace-seeking. With who? Well, that's the thing, like, yeah, that, he's gone to that raises peace- more to questions than it answers. He's trying to get some <laughs> peace and
4: quiet. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hey guys, I'm. I just. <laughs> I just need off.
2: some peace. Just need I'm to
1: go. I'm. I'm gonna seek some peace. Um, who with? Oh, honest. Do you remember those guys from before? Oh well, it it could be worse than that. Really, who are they? Don't. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be a while. Um, tell Lois. Can she file my report? It, like, yeah. Wes. Clark. I mean, gonna... he no. does.
2: <laughs> he does later go on a quest for peace. So. You know, I mean, could have been planned.
1: Maybe, maybe that's what set it all up. <laughs> Apparently, I'm just reading this on the Wikipedia. Demi Moore was auditioned and was cast as Lucy, but bowed <laughs> out to make the film. Blame it on Rio. That classic. That would that would have been better. Eighties Demi Moore, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so let, let's let's get to Ethan. Do we have whilst to do? <laughs> whilst at the school, Supergirl uh, meets and becomes enamoured with Ethan, who works as a groundskeeper. But, and here's where things get complicated and so disappointing, <laughs> Ethan also catches the eye of Selena, who drugs him with a love potion, which will make him fall in love with the first person he sees for a day. However... Selina gets distracted and Ethan regains consciousness and wanders off. (laughs) Selina is angry and rather than going to get him, uses her newfound powers to animate a construction vehicle which she sends to bring Ethan back, causing chaos in the streets and as it does so, Supergirl rescues Ethan and he falls in love with her instead while she is in the guise of Linda Lee. Um, Let's talk about that Extended sequence. This is why the movie is 127 minutes long. Because <laughs> yeah, because that just...
2: takes about 45 minutes. You know yeah, that. You know that I just bit described in,
3: in um uh, Aust- is it Austin Powers with the um the 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 steamroller, and then it cuts to the wide shot and it's really really far away and moving really really slowly.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is it Austin Powers? I mean, that sounds that sounds Austin Powers-ish. Yeah. Um. It is. So again, it feels like the movie has gone. We need this sequence in the middle, and this is what needs to happen at the end of it. And the movie has gone. Well, it doesn't matter what hoops we have to jump
3: through to get there. <laughs> but I mean,
1: Ethan. I mean, first of all, I hate. I hate that it's a love triangle. Why is it a love, a love
3: triangle, triangle between a teenage girl, a late twenties man, and a fifty-something woman?
2: Where at least one of them is severely drugged is <laughs> a bold choice, all,
1: and 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 all of them are performing like it.
2: Yeah, um,
1: it's right. So he is the blandest, like just douche that you could possibly imagine. Um, it's not really clear why Kara sees him and likes him, uh, other than he's a bit dreamy, I guess. But she like she kinda sees him as like, oh he's interesting, and then and then moves on. But then Selena sees him and yeah, drugs him and to, so because she's a witch, the first thing she's gonna do is make a man fall in love with her and it and equally I guess it helps her get rid of Peter Cook. <laughs> is that the thinking? Because she definitely wants rid of him.
3: I think she's already got rid of him by this point, because you've had she's yeah. kicked him out after that bit with the party, yeah. where he's flirting with Sandra Dickinson, who randomly turns up and she makes Sandra Dickinson eat a spider. Um, and she she has already kicked Nigel out, and it's not entirely clear after that point what relevance Nigel has to the plot and why he reenters it. Unless does him being at the school does he does him being at the school enable him to tell her that that's where she is? Maybe it, so. Maybe he does have a a mm. tiny tiny bit of relevance to the plot. But yeah, she she doesn't need to succeed in her goal of getting rid of him because all she had to do was tell him to piss off, basically. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So she, so she drugs Ethan, and yeah, she gets. What does she get distracted by? There's like a magic mirrory thing, isn't there, and she can see other stuff that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Is that
2: it? Yeah, I think that's. it. I don't know. And then it's weird. Yeah, then this like remote controlled uh, JCB type vehicle yeah, just goes around so smashing dumb. things up, and like it reminds me. Is it Superman two? where they have that really odd slapstick sequence to start the film was that 2 or 3
3: 3 yeah <laughs>
2: okay so three, yeah, yeah the start of 3 like you have you know women pushing prams into the road and like their skirts blowing up and like just crazy crap like that this is like a worse version of that
1: yeah it's so much worse and we haven't uh, we haven't dug into all of the nonsense that goes around in it as well so Ethan staggering through the streets Manages to not see anyone, supposedly. <laughs> and rather than Selena just following after him and getting him, or sending someone after him to get him, decides, yes, I'm going to animate this JCB to pick him up. So th- there's, first of all, this hilarious scene where it chases
3: him down the street. I did. There, there was that point where I was like, un- until he actually does get collected up by it, I did go a little bit. Why is she trying to kill him?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite aggressive. Um, but she does eventually scoop him up. Meanwhile, Lucy is off at a diner, and Jimmy Olsen has turned up to... Why is Jimmy Olsen there? Because he, cause he's friends with Lois. Is he? I, don't, I guess. they He knows Lois. So he goes to hang out with Lois's younger. I high I would say the sister. implication
3: or the inference I draw from this is that I reckon Jimmy has met Lucy when she's come to Metropolis to visit Lois, and they've stayed in touch like as pen pals or whatever um you know i mean he surely he's a bit older than her so he is probably a bit too old for her but <laughs> yeah, i think doesn't... it's that thing of he's like the kind of you know the college kid uh, he's the kind of cooler older college guy because he's not cool because he's jimmy olsen but he would be perceived that way by a high school girl uh and so he's he's gone to meet up with her and and hang out and, and you know talk about how out. cool he is
2: like make out yeah. a really a lot
3: Well, yeah, because he's Jimmy Olsen, he can't get a girl his own age in Metropolis, can he? So he has to go out to the sticks to to get a high school girl. Yeah, Uh, That's what's happened there. And
1: again, it's just the movie going, we've got Jimmy, how do we... Okay, this is how we introduce him, so... And just, uh, again, don't care. I mean, you
2: know, the uh... the sensible way to have done that would have been to have had someone go, there is a Supergirl in this town...
4: And Let's Jimmy Olsen goes and checks it out.
2: Jimmy Olsen can go. yeah. And, and you can Lucy still goes, do your... Oh, hey, you,
1: you, don't you work at the Daily Planet with my sister? And he goes, oh, yeah, Lois. Because, yeah. The,
3: because like Lucy Lane as a supporting character is actually a, a Jimmy Olsen supporting character. Like she She's Jimmy Olsen's on-off girlfriend and, hmm. and primarily used to appear in Jimmy Olsen comics, uh, but she's an air hostess. Um, so, you know, I, I don't mind this film having a nod to that by establishing that relationship it's just it does it in a really because it makes that relationship the reason that he's there rather than giving him a sensible reason to be there and then maybe you know hinting at that relationship developing
1: well and here's here's something else it fails to give jimmy olsen a reason for being there and by there i mean in the movie (laughs) yeah
2: because he turns up and doesn't even deliver exposition he's just there
1: he literally doesn't do anything, yeah. does he? He stands next to Lucy for a bit. At one point, takes some pictures, and then, kind of, when the other characters are getting damseled at the end, he gets he gets thrown in the cages with them. <laughs> Anyway, so the the JCB picks up and uh, this is still going on. The JCB picks up. Ethan. This
3: sequence is almost as long as me talking about the history of Starman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and Lucy goes, "Hey, look, there's we've got a runaway." And everyone's like, "Oh no, there's a JCB running through our town. It's going to it's going to smash things up." And it and it does. Um and Lucy goes, "Oh no, I'm going to do. I'm going to jump up there and stop it." great okay so she jumps up there but she can't control it and then it goes over a speed bump or something um, or yeah she a... knocks her head she knocks her head and she passes out behind the wheel <laughs> so now there's a runaway <laughs> jcb with a passed out lucy lane in the in the driver's seat and Ethan's still just in the in the mouth of it at the front thro- at the front and that's when supergirl comes to save the day and she does, and she stops it, and she doesn't seem to give a shit about Lucy, who's passed out unconscious <laughs> on the seat. But she opens up the thing, and that is when Ethan sees... That's when he, he sees her. He should see Supergirl. But in between, like, me blinking, she <laughs> has changed back into... Because,
3: once again, she's terrified that anyone could discover the existence <laughs> of Supergirl. For some reason,
1: mm. um and I should also be pointing out for the people who haven't watched this Supergirl is obviously in the classic supergirl outfit and has the long blonde hair when she's Linda Lee it is like it's like wavy shorter brown hair it's a completely different hairdo it's not like Superman where you can kind of make you can be like oh so yeah i i I see what he does there." he he takes off the glasses and and puts on the suit and that and there we are it's I
4: mean, it's a
1: completely different look and i know that i i know that's comics, I know accurate, that's comics. But, it, but i, I think in that's the comics, comics, comics it's accurate. a wig <laughs> yes there's no there's but that's it but in the comics would this is uh, so presumably the because you would think the long blonde hair would be the wig but it would have to be the shorter brown hair
3: no she just I think she used probably well actually to be fair as well in the comics for a long time she had shorter blonde hair um, right. and then got the longer hair in the seventies um, and I think just generally I don't know um, it's just
1: funny though isn't it presum- while we are on the subject by the way can I, can in I- the full in the full view though of everyone on that street she has had to, she has had to in a flash just go and back to Linda. <laughs>
3: Um, just while while we are on the subject, can I just talk briefly about the costume? Actually, uh, about because there's there is something quite amusing as regards the production and its relationship with the comics.
1: Okay, this isn't going to get weird, is it, Seb?
3: No. Uh, <laughs> so, Supergirl's original costume, well, as you would imagine, was just kind of like Superman's costume, although it didn't have the red skirt. It was like it was all blue. Then throughout the seventies, she kind of had a lot of different outfits. Like there, there was a point. Where, um, she had a different costume almost every issue because they'd done a competition to design a new costume for it and loads of people had sent in costumes and then they just used loads of them for a while in like just randomly in different issues. Some of them are quite good and some of them are horrendous. Then in when she got her own series in the early eighties, um, she settled down into the what's I think generally thought of as. The, the definitive um, costume for that pre-Crisis Kara zor uh, which is the one where it's got the smaller S-Shield um, just on one side and she's got the kind of the, the baggy hot pants look. Um, but then the movie was being developed and they obviously didn't want to go with the, the look from the comics at the time. So they created a new costume which had a stylized kind of the cape going into the S-Shield. You know how Superman's costume is in the Supergirl TV show? Um, Mm. It was basically that. Um, In fact, now that I think about it, I wonder if they did that as a... At the time, I remember comparing it to Injustice, but I wonder if it was a bit of a deliberate homage to the fact that that was Supergirl's costume because it was a a costume for the Supergirl show. And it had a red headband as well because, you know, it was the 80s. Um, (laughs) So they developed that costume for the film and you can see pictures of Helen Slater wearing that costume in initial test footage. Um, So DC went... Great, we'll give Supergirl that costume in the comics. Uh, So about a year or so before the film came out, they did that. Um, and for the last year of her solo comics run, Supergirl had that costume. Then that comic got cancelled about, like I think, two months before the film came out, because, you know, brand synergy. And uh, unfortunately, in that time, the film had decided to change the costume and just go with a simpler, this is exactly like Superman's costume, but with a red skirt instead of red underpants look. So the film forced the comics to come up with, to use this costume that never actually made it into the film.
2: I've got to say, and that the costume...
3: was the costume Kara was wearing uh, all the way up to Crisis on Infinite Earth when she got killed off.
2: The costume that that they use is probably one of the best things about the movie because it's just yes, a really it... simple and good version of the Supergirl costume. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's... And well, it, and it's
3: iconic because it's like, as I say, they, I don't think that Supergirl had, had a costume that was just that plain the blue Superman top and the red skirt. Like, there'd been kind of variants with the crazy 70s stuff. But that's become that Supergirl's look now. That's, you know, you can't really imagine Supergirl in a different kind of costume from that.
2: Yeah, like, even the version in the TV series is almost that. Yeah. It just it lacks the yellow on the shield. But yeah. other than that, like, it's a bit darker. But I think this Supergirl costume easily sits aside, aside the Reeves Superman one as, yeah. like fully iconic like virtually unbeatable version of that look
1: yeah i I think the 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 tv show version yeah isn't isn't a million miles away basically from from this it's it's pretty much the same basic design with yeah you're right little tweaks to the shield and
3: that kind of thing um and Seb,
1: do you want to talk about your relationship to Helen Slater in this movie?
3: <laughs> well, I already kind of did at the start.
4: <laughs> the
2: profound yeah, a, and yeah, complex She's a very attractive one. lady.
3: Yes, and you know, yes, to, I, to, I, to my impressionable young eyes, I think I think seeing this film at a young age had a, a long and resonant effect on me.
1: I, I will say, I mean, and I feel. Okay, doing this because as one of our listeners asked me on Twitter <laughs> over Christmas, uh, wanted to know whether I was uh, bisexual or just a. Uh, I think he described me as a queer ally, um, and I, as as I pointed out, I just I just believe in equal opportunity objectification because you can't do superhero movies and not talk about <laughs> not how ridiculously it. looking all of these people are, um, and yeah, I mean. Uh, helen slater is her luck works perfectly with this costume and i i like as well that for all of the things the other missteps that i think the movie has around having a a female hero and and, and trying to deal with that i think they get the costume right because I, you, could, you could imagine a a a more salacious path that they go down, I'm,
2: I'm thinking and it's not. Specifically yeah, I mean, <laughs> not I th- Supergirl, and th- I, th- I think. Smallville. I think that's the thing. Batgirl. It,
3: ba- <laughs> um, it's she looks absolutely amazing, no question. But it's not. Um, like it, it, it's not porny, and it's not it's not yeah, like put like, a certain way. <laughs> I mean, you say it's she, not porny. she looks. A, it yeah. has
2: the budget of a porn movie and yeah, the production true. values of a porn movie. <laughs> it doesn't have the the gazy pervy. Exactly. Porn I mean, it, stuff. it
3: looks it looks amazing because she looks amazing. Basically, yeah. um, it's not that the costume is designed to accentuate. You know, I mean, it's it's, 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 it's tight fitting because it's a superhero costume. But you know, it's relatively. It's also not like
2: the camera really lingers on, like her as a physical object
3: and it and, yeah, it's, and not, it's not it's not like the and 70s and 80s it's doing either it's not like the 70s and 80s comics where they were constantly showing you her blue knickers all of the time so it's it's got one oh, up yeah. on that as well
2: <laughs> i mean it you know for all this film's faults it does feel like they were trying to make a film aimed at women like and girls not not like yeah like so you know it, it,
3: it's it's not male gazy at all yeah. um
1: and to be honest, I, I I feel much the same way about um, the TV Supergirl. Now I think that I, I I still remember the the backlash that that show was getting based on its original two or three minute trailer that it put out for upfronts, um, and it just wasn't the show that people were assuming it was. Just wasn't what it became. And I I think similarly, uh, Melissa Benoist or however you pronounce her <laughs> surname um benoist is it melissa benoist i don't know yes. anyway she i think similarly she she does the same thing in that she looks incredible in her costume but that's not the way she she looks primarily like a superhero and the movie the tv show in the same way this movie does
3: never sex that sets out to sexualize
2: and <laughs> It never sexes out to sex her
3: <laughs> is that what you're trying to say it, it, there's, apart, apart there's from no... that one bit in the pilot where they're trying out the costumes but it's doing it to make a joke out of it
1: yeah and i think that's what was in the trailer actually yeah that, that people got upset about um
2: well like i say yeah. that's the big difference between the smallville supergirl and this one i mean maybe it was just because that was the 90s but like the midriff bearing Supergirl. i think it was, it was the, the 2000s, 2000s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah, i meant it was... uh, i'm so old so old <laughs> the thing was, they, they they cast a
3: model there in Smallville.
2: Yeah. Well, and you look, you look what,
1: even you know what the what the way that the same costume can be treated in two different properties, and I and I still do fundamentally make this would believe in this argument that the way that Zack Snyder shot the Wonder Woman costume mm. was so different to the way that Patty Jenkins shot it. Mm. Um, and you just don't need to do it and i mean like occasionally if you want to if you want to just ogle at your superheroes it's not the worst thing in the world because we do it with we do it with most of them um but you know they they don't often get equal treatment in the way that they're dressed so it can be a bit more it does always feel a little bit more lecherous, doesn't it when when it's a female character.
2: And normally um, because it's a male director making a film mm. aimed at men.
1: I hate to go back to Zack Snyder again, but the costume that he put Marlon akerman in for that movie was just <laughs> just just outrageous. Um so yeah, hey, we've spent a good five minutes there praising this movie for the thing that it did really right, which is the costume. So that's and that's great. what
2: earned it ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the 10% that we're going to spend <laughs> praising it.
1: Um, I'm, I'm going to, I think this is as much attention that we need to pay to the next part of the movie as Wikipedia does. <laughs> Supergirl and <laughs> Selina repeatedly begin to battle in various ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and all of the battle, the, the battling between them is based, well, to begin with, Selina doesn't know well she knows that obviously Supergirl has thwarted her and she knows that Ethan has fallen for this Linda Lee girl um but hasn't hasn't made the connection and so they're just battling and then eventually in a in a really underwhelming scene Selena kind of tricks Supergirl by being there, there's not really, I don't know, it doesn't feel like some elaborate plan that she's executed. She's just there, and Supergirl is there, and she goes, Oh, I'm using my magic to send you to the Phantom Zone now. Now, how does Selena know about the Phantom Zone?
3: In the same way as the people of Argo City know about Superman two way communication.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe, maybe is it common knowledge because of the Zod invasion? Can you give it that?
3: I don't think so, no.
1: No? <laughs> so, <laughs> Selina decides that she is going to trap Supergirl and send us to the Phantom Zone. So she gets, like, a triangle thrown at her and she gets trapped and she flies through the sky and she ends up in the Phantom Zone. Now, this is a, this is a strange sequence. Again, I kind of feel like this belongs in another movie. A little bit.
2: I've got to say, I was very surprised to learn that the Phantom Zone wasn't being trapped in a pane of glass because i thought that's what the phantom zone was like the the endless horror of being trapped in an inescapable void but apparently it turns out it's being on a sort of kind of hostile i think
3: yeah i think the way to reconcile this is that uh the phantom zone is essentially a, a floating doorway to so like the pane of glass thing that Spins around because let's face it, like there's meant to be multiple people in the Phantom Zone. So, the Phantom Zone, you know, if they're all crowding for attention at that window, um, there's you know, there, there's not a lot of, of window to go around, it's not just the three Kryptonian criminals in there. So, my reading on it, and this was I seem to recall this was how I reconciled it in my head when even as a kid I saw the difference between how it was in this film and how it was in the Superman <laughs> films. You go into the Phantom Zone, uh, the wind, the, the, the way into the Phantom Zone is the glass pane thing. And you if you want to, you can go up to the window and bang on the window and be all... You know, that's like a kind of dome or whatever at the edge. And it's like, hey, let us out, let us out. But when you're in it, you're not trapped on a flat pane, plane of existence. You're in this desolate landscape. To be fair, how this film does the Phantom Zone is far closer to how it is in the comics. Because in the comics, it's a, a ghostly landscape that you you know you you're in incorpor- I think it's funny that it's called the Phantom Zone and nobody's ever been a phantom when they're in it in the <laughs> movies. Because the idea is, in the comics, you know you it's it's a kind of parallel world, but you are like a ghost basically. And yeah, uh, at least in remind me how Zod escapes um, nuclear bomb, nuclear <laughs> missile, freezing
2: right naturally.
3: Uh, yeah, because it's the in the original plan was one of the missiles that Lex Luthor is using at the end of Superman One that Superman diverts, frees them. When that got nixed, instead, um, it's the uh, it's the bomb from the Eiffel Tower that Superman yeah, throws Superman into space. Yeah, Superman throws it into space and it blows up mm. the Phantom
2: yeah. Zone. Yeah. Oh, well, they luckily they were by the window and it blows up the window.
3: Exactly.
1: So, Supergirl's in the Phantom Zone. She's lost her powers uh she's, she's in walking filth. well she's walking through the bleak landscape of the phantom zone <clears> and then yes she slips into a swampy kind of area i love how you're then...
3: you're just thesaurusing the wikipedia article here <laughs>
1: yeah no, no I, I mean i i did because the film I was so boring you out. can't
3: remember what actually happened
1: i did lay this out at the top of the podcast so that is my approach to this <laughs> I was episode gonna say, it's
2: not so much that the film is boring it's that it's incoherent like none of this yes. naturally follows the next thing like stuff is I, happening. I couldn't tell you in no logical or rational way.
1: That sentence of them, they begin to repeatedly battle in various ways.
4: <laughs>
3: I can't. Can you remember can't any reme- of the ways?
1: <laughs> no, I remember that Supergirl ends up on a beach with Ethan.
2: Yeah, and she teleports Ethan back to him. After that's later they on, they kiss or do they kiss?
3: I don't even know if that's later on
2: or before. Good question.
1: I, th- I think that's how she lures.
2: Yeah, that's how Supergirl, Supergirl- gets- to her, and then she sends her from hmm. the castle place. Is this
3: where the ho- is. is this where the whole bit in the funfair with the dodgems is?
1: I forgot the funfair. It's my favourite <laughs> bit because it has an N- it has NFL themed dodgems, but they're '84 themed, so it's cool and retro. And they fly off in one that I think is. Half Buffalo Bills, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I did. I did remember looking at that, going, "Oh, I quite like to ride those, those little dodgems," because I like American football.
3: <laughs> this is like when I could spot Martin Skirtle on on Trevor Slattery's telly, isn't it? I
1: genu I genuinely spent that entire scene going like, going like, "Oh, uh, oh, and there's that team, and there's that, team. and when the Packers turned up, I was very happy." Um, <laughs> yeah so that so i mean so that was fun at least so there we go i've at least remembered some of the battling because because selena's base of operations at that point of the film anyway is in a funfair i don't think we've mentioned that it's in a funfair yeah yeah so phantom zone supergirl she gets gunged um and she, she wanders through the phantom zone and who does she find there Sonny Bloody Zoltar, there again.
2: Selflessly sent himself to the Phantom Zone where he'll be safe from being sucked into space (laughs) by his collapsing city.
3: And this is the point where, so this film has cast Peter O'Toole, who at this point, you know, relatively later on in his life, he he still had, you know, good sort of uh, 30 30 years years to go, but still, (laughs) you know. um, But after having had a good chunk of his life um, as... I mean, what's the polite way to say that he was a massive booze hound? Um To to have him play a character who at this point has turned into a massive drunkard is uh it's an interesting choice. Because it implies, doesn't it, that he's got hooked on some substance. Like
2: Yeah, I mean he, he keeps saying what does he keep saying?
3: I can't remember what it's called, but it's some liquid he, thing. He
2: keeps saying like spritz or spray or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes, because does it squirt? Doesn't I think squirt, it's, squirt. it squirts. Yes, it's yeah. yes. Which
1: yeah. Yeah. and does and doesn't she, he gives some to Kara, doesn't Which he? And she spits it out.
3: Hmm. Yeah. But it's basically that that Zoltar's become a piss artist, and and as I say, I'm not sure that was a massive stretch for for Peter at all <laughs> at this point. <laughs>
1: So the next line of this is that Zoltar sacrifices his life to allow Supergirl to escape.
2: How? I mean, he doesn't, does he do that? Because the way I read that sequence is he says, oh, there's a way out of the Phantom Zone. Uh, oh, actually, no, it's too dangerous. Let's not do it. And she goes, oh, no, probably let's do it because we need to save Earth and Argo City. And he goes, oh, fair enough. By the way, we'll probably be vaporized into like quantum particles or something. And so they sort of edge along a cliff and then jump into a hurricane. And then she makes out and he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like he sacrificed himself so that she could get out.
1: And then she goes, ah, oh, no! And we all go, oh, thank goodness.
2: He's not coming back now. Yeah. <laughs> he is vaporized.
1: <laughs> so after being trapped on the Phantom Zone, in the in the meantime... Supergirl's missing, Superman is off on his quest for peace, <laughs> so Selina has made herself Princess of Earth, but has remained in this shitty small town in the middle of it nowhere. Does,
3: it yeah, feels... like, all of a sudden she's in control of a dystopian fascist police force.
2: <laughs> yes! <laughs> it, does, it does feel like she's basically gone like, I'm going to take over Earth, I'll start here because I'm here. She's to be fair, the it worked there. for General Zod. <laughs> Wow,
3: and actually, also, does this scene actually give a justification for the Superman's not on Earth stuff? Because this is the point where if Superman was around, he'd show up and punch her in the face. So, <laughs> you know. Listen, yeah, I mean, yeah. su-
1: Supergirl season one was clunky in the way that it wor- talked around Superman and why he wouldn't be there.
2: Yeah, but with at least fully it a CGI uh, WhatsApp, Superman. But at least it made an effort. <laughs> <laughs> at least
1: it made an effort to be like, and that's and, and so he is here, but that's why he's not doing anything. And then like, oh, and he can't help because he's brain controlled as well. And I'm like, alright, okay, fine. I feel like you could have maybe had Christopher Reeve around for a cameo.
2: I mean, the way I see it going, if had Christopher Reeve been in this film, he would have turned up and uh Selena would have used the the omegahedron on him to capture him, and Supergirl would have then rescued everyone, including Superman,
1: yeah, or he just turned up right at the end and he'd been like oh I came here to I came as soon as I could. Sort of everything, but you've but you've already fixed everything, yeah, yeah anyway so so she she now she's now in charge of yeah as you say this is a dystopian <laughs> dictatorship she has made a mountain with a castle on top of it. Um, appear in this town, and she is now living in the castle. Um, she has she has taken Ethan as her, as her lover. Um, so he's there, like tied up as some weird sex slave. Um, <laughs>
2: is there any the other kind, Joe? Got- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: completely normal sex a, slaves a, where every. A consensual ones. <laughs> 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 um, so. Then we have to do an obligatory scene that makes Lucy and Jimmy still worthwhile being there. They kind of she she is parading down the streets, and Lucy's like, "Ah, you you suck, Selena. You can't just do this, Selena." And Selena's like,
2: with her sign, oh. she's got a, like a handmade sign.
1: Yes, you know, <laughs> like Selena, a Selena out. sporting event. Down with this sort of thing, <laughs> um, and. Uh, And we so Selina captures Jimmy and Lucy and locks them up with Peter Cook. Uh, In the meantime, Lucy manages to reveal that Linda has gone missing ever since (laughs) Selina took power. So Selina's like, "Oh, okay. So Linda was that girl? (laughs) The girl who I didn't like is also Supergirl." So we doesn't do anything with this information.
2: but what can because it
1: it,
2: it, it doesn't matter she could reveal to everyone no stakes
1: yeah
4: yeah.
2: (laughs) she's just a wig
1: everyone linda is supergirl (laughs) and they're gone
2: oh yeah
1: i guess it makes sense
2: yeah like oh i guess what's that what difference is that gonna make because we you know her civilian friends were already hanging out with supergirl so
1: seb is someone uh the, the, the the biggest defender or fan of helen Slater's performance um you obviously love what Christopher Eve does to <laughs> distinguish Clark and <laughs> Superman. Would you say there's any of that going on here? I'm
3: trying to find the best way to answer this. <laughs> I mean, I mean she she's keeps got the different coloured hair. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's fair to say it's not as nuanced. No.
1: Okay. Uh, so, Supergirl, uh, she escapes the Phantom Zone. And she comes down to Earth and then she has a ruck with Selena. Um I, I mean, I could read the Wikipedia again, but I don't remember any of this. She summits Selina summons a gigantic shadow demon. I mean, you must remember the, that. The demon-overwhelmed Supergirl is on the verge of defeating her when she hears Zoltar's voice urging her to fight on. Oh, fuck, he is back. Supergirl breaks free and is told by Nigel that the uh, Here we go, Seb. That's why Nigel's still around. <laughs> the only way to defeat Selina is to turn the shadow demon against her. So Supergirl quickly complies and begins flying in circles around her, trapping her in a tornado. Selina is attacked and incapacitated by the monster as the whirlwind pulls Bianca in I as feel, well. Sorry, I, I feel there. like
3: we've <laughs> slightly skipped past um a key bit of information about the shadow demon.
2: Which is that it's horrendous, that it's like this really crappy model.
3: Which is that it's invisible for about 90% of the time it's on screen. <laughs> it's like, and oh, James, you're, you're going you to fight the, why and, I yeah, couldn't oh, remember what, it. I'm sure there's a gag in something, and I can't remember what TV show or, or whatever it is where, for budget reasons, the hero... Let's say Austin Powers. I I don't know, it's it's not Austin Powers, but for budget (laughs) reasons, the hero has to fight a load of invisible villains. Uh, And that's basically what happens here. Yeah.
2: I mean, the Shadow Demon is essentially, like, Satan, right? It's basically a kind of Satan-esque figure who grabs Supergirl and then... He's kind of holding her and she like they've done this camera trick where she's like stretching and shrinking and you know, warping. But luckily Zoltar tells her to to get her shit together and she does. Yeah. I mean there's (laughs) there's a a (laughs) part during this actually where you get the impression I can't is it Jimmy or Ethan? One of them is like crawling towards Selena and you're like Oh, they're not going to have Supergirl saved by one of the dudes, are they? But then they don't. That just goes nowhere.
3: Uh, guys, I've I've just found uh, what that joke was from, and and I can be um, uh, castigated for not uh, remembering immediately that it's from Red Dwarf. Uh, but it's, fr- uh-huh. it's it's from series eight when they're watching uh, a B movie called <laughs> Attack of the Giant Savage, completely invisible aliens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, Seb, you may never recover from this. <laughs> um yeah so she fights the shadow demon and it's i mean by this point i'm asleep and i'm on my i watched this movie in two sittings but again guys this movie is two hours and 24 minutes long
2: <sighs> so long
1: it, the, for this this is a film that should have the decency to be 82 <laughs> minutes. that's
2: the thing right if the if they knew the film was bad you would think they would go Oh, we better cut it back. Really,
3: I mean, at, le- at least Superman Four cut like about yeah, forty exactly. minutes out of it and made I... itself incoherent in the process. But if yeah. you
2: shoot this much film, if and it's... It, it doesn't make sense. At least make it quick.
3: How do How do you look at this film's running time and not go, "We'll we'll cut the Matt through a scene."
2: Yeah, we'll cut the at map least. through a scene. We'll cut ninety percent of that JCB scene. We'll cut <laughs> the entire thing where she spends ages enrolling into school for no reason
1: she will she she will never be linda lee
2: <laughs> well quite i mean in fairness mm. wasn't there a version of this release that was only like you know an hour and 40 or something i'm pretty i'm that. pretty sure there was a shorter version of this and what we've watched is the sort of director's cut you know original version
1: i mean if there was a shorter version out and we watched the longer one i <laughs> i'm not thrilled <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, okay the um, first home mid yeah here we go the first home video issue was tristar's edited 105 minute cut
1: oh that's a whole 90 <laughs> yeah minutes so off. the
2: vhs release was 105 minutes
1: although if I, I, i'm all already thinking vhs has always used to be like they they cut like six percent did they something like that just in terms of frame rates dvds did the same thing
2: yeah possibly but i mean the the for the long version is is much more than that can account for right
1: yeah 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 so it must have cut some other stuff as well hey let's uh, let's let's tie this this up in a bow uh so after the shadow demon has turned on Selena she's gone uh Ethan is free from the spell and he falls in love with supergirl. Uh, but he understands that she must go and save Argo City. So the final scene shows Kara returning the Omegahedron to a darkened Argo City, which promptly lights up again.
2: Oh, is that what but was I happening?
1: Question, I think the question that we're all asking in our heads is, can Argo City ever truly be light again now <laughs> that Zoltar has gone?
3: <laughs> I love how there's just no closure or resolution. It's just, okay, she, she's she yeah, gone like, back I'm
2: there not I'm not even joking. Selena's dead. See you later,
3: guys.
1: (laughs) I'm gone. I'm going back to the city, but you're not going to see any of the people from the start or anything. I might have just turned the lights back on. But also,
3: I mean, okay, I know that obviously the reason why she's come to Earth is to get the thing in order for her people to survive. So she has to go back because she has to bring it back. But because the last thing we see is her going back, then what this film is, this film is not the story of supergirl who is the last survivor of her kryptonian communi- community who comes and lands on earth and establishes herself on earth as the superhero supergirl this is the story of someone who goes on holiday to earth and then goes back and and you can it's implied by the film never goes back to earth again so this is not the story of supergirl this is this is the story of somebody from another world who came to get something and then went back again And nobody else really knew she was there.
2: Like, I'm not joking. And
3: Superman never finds out that his cousin (laughs) is is even alive, let alone (laughs) that she's been to his home planet and met his girlfriend's sister.
2: (laughs) But, like, you don't. Like, it's not clear, right? There's a pocket of
1: Kryptonians just out there living. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and it's not clear what happens at the end of the movie. Like, she flies off, and you sort of. It's not like you see her make a triumphant return to Argo City. It's like a weird triangle thing that just sort of lights up. It's not like you've never even seen an external shot of Argo City before.
3: I genuinely didn't didn't know there was one earlier on. It's just like it's a glowing thing with some heat lamps around it.
2: Yeah, but even so, I watched the like having presumably missed that shot. Then I watched the end of the film, going like, "What the hell is happening under the credits?" Like, I assume she's gone home, but you don't see it. Hmm.
1: Hey, Seb, T-shirt idea. I can make it here in Argo City. What do you think?
3: I think that's too deep a cut. Um, <laughs> I think I think the Hunger City shirt in and of itself is too Which, oh by the way, I was gonna I was gonna tweet this, but I'll ask on here in case it's a listener who isn't on Twitter. It might just be somebody who found it on Redbubble. But somebody bought my Hunger City design as an art block. On Redbubble, so whoever that was, first of all, thank you, and oh, secondly, please, please, please send us a picture. I want to see what it looks like. So, if, if you're a listener and you bought that that art block print or whatever it was, please show me. I want to see what it looks like. Thank you.
1: Kiss my face, random listener <laughs> slash non listener, because that is the it wasn't greatest Joe. thing I, checked. I have ever heard.
3: <laughs> I, I didn't know it was, a it po- was Joe.
4: <laughs>
1: I didn't even know it was a possibility. I'm going to order two. <laughs> Can I get it as like? Can I get it as a print that will fill like the entire walls of my living room in my house?
3: Probably not that far, but not far off. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: dear! I do listen. To, I've, I, I told you guys, didn't I? I ordered the vinyl off of eBay <laughs> so I can play Hunger City whenever I like.
3: I love how you've segued just into talking about a bad eighties film that you actually like rather than this one.
1: Yeah, Howard the Duck is better than this. I, I think Howard the Duck just has that really intensely boring half hour in the middle, and aside from that is glorious. <laughs> um and I can I can fast forward through the
2: helicopter stuff. Um This Howard the Duck like at I least say, has the decency to be absolutely fucking mad. <laughs> like this, but this is this, not this even does mad, oca- it's just accusing. O-
1: it does occasionally have the decency to be mad, but not with any consistency.
2: Well I'm trying to remember what the one properly funny thing was. It was a grammar joke and I can't remember now.
1: (laughs) It's weird as well, isn't it, that Peter Cook's not funny?
2: Yeah, for a long time, this was
3: what I knew Peter Cook for. Oh dear. Not Derek and Clive
1: like this. I mean, so you've got Peter Cook...
3: I'm talking about for a long time when I was a child, you know. Yeah,
1: but Peter Cook not being funny. Peter O'Toole not being a good actor. Mia Farrow not really being in it. And they're are and they are the people and then and then fade on away you've you've hired just to be like a pantomime character it's a, it's such a strange movie i didn't hate i i'll be honest i didn't hate it but i did sit there watching it going you're close to being a really fun bad movie, but you'd never quite get there yeah but hey, uh, Seb, is there anything else before we uh before we leave Supergirl behind that you want to point out?
3: Not really. I mean, it it was exactly what I expected of it going back to it. I was surprised at, at some of the specifics that I actually really did quite vividly remember from from watching it in the 80s, but I mean, yeah, it's it's not a good movie, but I can't bring myself to dislike it as much as you guys. I just <laughs> it, it's just dull. But I also think it's it's I think it's dull in a kind of pleasant way. You know, it's not. It's not aggressively bad. It's just because, and I think that's partly just because it, it, Helen Sater is just too nice for you to really feel particularly. I mean, that's, 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 towards that's true.
1: The core of this movie is a very nice girl. She's 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 sweet. She's likable. Um, I mean, it's I I, mean, I, 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 I,
3: it, it's it's kind of worth making that point that maybe she doesn't have kind of enough of the the steel uh, sorry for the the pun um that i think the character got kind of particularly in the 80s um but you know the, as as playing the character of supergirl you know that is that is what she's like i mean it may be a little bit too naive because they're playing the fish out of water thing but um the sort of the innate good nature and and the way she looks at people um you know i think that's yeah
1: Okay, so that was nineteen eighty-four Supergirl. Uh guys, do you have any comic book recommendations based on the
4: movie? Oh just
2: quickly, I wanna I wanna before we wrap it up, you can maybe cut this back in. The the funny bit that I remembered is when Selena cast a spell and she says, Power of Shadow take shape, look like a vicious dark star, seek out that wretched young creature and destroy her wherever she <laughs> are. <laughs>
3: That is quite good. Yeah, and she gets
2: like she looks really disappointed when she realizes that the swell has to rhyme. Oh,
4: yeah, dear. that was
2: that's the one funny bit you don't have to watch the film now. I'm
1: not surprised that appealed to you, James.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, comics. Um, I wonder if I mean James, do you actually have anything to say about the? Because you must you've read the '90s stuff, right? The Peter David. Have you read that stuff? No. Oh, I thought you had, because you like Peter David. I could have sworn I've heard you talk about the Peter David I Supergirl know. Stuff I know before. about
2: it. When That's when Supergirl is a shape-changing alien slash angel, right?
3: Yeah. God I Matrix. mean, we could... We, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna go into the please, convoluted please history of Supergirl, <laughs> uh, but basically, yeah, in in the the ninth, basically, the, there wasn't a an actual Kryptonian Supergirl yeah, from Crisis all the way until off. the 2000s. They killed her the, off
2: after Crisis, and then they had to. Uh...
3: Po- Post reboot, she never arrived from Krypton. Basically, yeah, and they had um, to
2: find a reason to have a Supergirl without having Kara Zor El, so they yeah. went. Uh, so actually, Joe you, who looks like Supergirl.
3: You've you've read the comics where that 90s version first appears because you it was that the um the John the last John Byrne Superman arc with the um with General Zod where Superman kills them
1: yeah um, i didn't i did and i didn't get it
3: yeah <laughs> uh but but yeah so so that that 90s supergirl was the creation of lex luther from a parallel universe and then she got merged with uh, a dead girl um for the 90s the um the 90s late 90s peter david run which is you know it's a it's an interesting series about a, a teenager with superpowers and alternate personalities that's it's not really Supergirl, other than the fact that she looks like Supergirl. Um, the 2000s stuff, was when they did finally bring her in, was not great. Uh, and, and towards the end of that run, it was okay. The thing is, I mean, and I've, I've, I've read a lot of Supergirl comics, and I, I collect kind of Bronze Age Supergirl comics from the kind of late 70s and early to mid 80s. They're not great. If, if I was going to recommend anything to go away and read to give you a sense of the character then i would say the the solo series that starts in 1982 where she moves to chicago it's where she's got the new costume it's i think it's probably the stuff that's that's uh, i was going to say it's not really the biggest influence on the film because she's older in that um you know the the film is picking up with her kind of as a as a teenager which is more based on the kind of 60s and 70s stuff but the 80s stuff it's it's dated it's from the early 80s and it feels like it's from the 70s um but it's it's readable and it's enjoyable fluff like kind of from that era so um yeah that it, it's not a resounding endorsement um the the more recent stuff has been on and off, up and down, the new, I, I quite like the New 52 version where they made her quite different and that's one of the, the versions where they worked in her being actually older but then older than Clark when she was born and then younger when she arrives on Earth and they made the character a bit kind of harder edged like she was a sort of, a bit of a kind of wannabe Kryptonian warrior sort of thing um, and a bit angrier and that was that was quite interesting so that's the, the early New 52 stuff, it's maybe worth a look um the only but. i
2: think the only supergirl comics i've read are uh, i've read crisis and infinite earths so i think
3: yeah you know, where she dies and and, and where, where she dies, dies is great yeah yeah,
2: it's a really good story
3: i don't mean that in a oh it's great that she dies i mean like it's a properly it's well heroic yeah. yeah um
2: and the other one i've read is the jeff Loeb and mike turner version which under yeah. no circumstances should anyone pay money for
3: no, if, I mean, if you if if you want to read a story where Michael Turner draws a teenage girl who's arrived on Earth who spends about three issues wandering round with a sheet wrapped round her, then go for it. But yeah, I mean, actually, really, whatever you
2: do in the privacy of your own home is fine. <laughs> but
3: it's it's fair to say the TV show story. and what you like about the TV show um, is probably the best that the characters yeah that's, handled that's anywhere. the thing
2: right. My favourite version of Supergirl is the TV show version, and this movie does nothing to challenge that. <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> that's fair
2: so on that point i
1: i was trying to reach it i, I was trying to luck while you guys were talking then and i can't recall the exact episode if i remember it i will uh tweet it out um i i was a big fan of season one of supergirl um i've dropped off a bit since um but i really liked i i really like uh melissa benoist and i really like uh, i really liked calista flockart in that first series mm-hmm. um and there was one i, I there's one there was one moment in that opening series and I, I i'm sure it was something like hara didn't have her powers or something like that and there was a robbery in the store and she stood up to it regardless and i can't remember exactly and i probably i'm sure uh uh, frequent podcast caroline cedar could help us out with this because she uh recaps all these episodes on um the av club still um but it was just one of those that i thought it was one of those great hero moments and i remember watching the show and going oh that's perfect that's that's if the, if that's what this show is from here on in then mm. fantastic and that and is it, and it, it never was quite but yeah that was
3: and it, and it's maybe only been done in glimpses but that's what i identify with um with the character of of and Supergirl, and i think it's kind of even more so than superman actually is a kind of willingness to be like self-sacrificingly heroic um it's 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 manifest in crisis it's you know she knows uh, that she's gonna die when she dies but you know she, she knows she's gonna fight this battle that she's probably gonna lose but it but in doing so she helps other people so she does um and there's and kind of 80s Kara is is quite like that even even if only in glimpses That's that's the main kind of takeaway i have from the character. Um that's not really present present in this film in terms of actually having to. Actually no it kind of is because she sends herself you know she goes uh ahead of Zoltar to to go and retrieve the thing. You know she doesn't know what's going to happen she could probably possibly die. So in that sense i think yeah. Um i think mm-hmm. she does have that. And I, but what i was going to say was even without that i think the sense you get of her in this is that she would be capable of that because of her kind of innate goodness, so... Yeah, she's just not
2: really called on to do it. Yeah. The one, uh, just quickly, the one Supergirl comic that I think probably is worth recommending, um, I've not personally read it, but I've heard good things, and that's Supergirl being super oh god yeah of course I completely
3: forgot about that because I was looking at a rundown list of all all the kind of actual ongoing series and comparing them yeah that's fantastic it's great and like it's a a similar
2: version to this version right in in the sense of it's like about teen supergirl yeah it's, it's living teenage supergirl life
3: it's a yeah it's kind of it's it's an origin redo but it's one of those ones that kind of you know the origin stuff is done a little bit in flashback because it's about her as a teenager at school discovering her parents
2: take on supergirl
3: yeah very much so and it's and it's also up until kind of towards the end it leaves you not sure if it's actually in a world where superman even exists um i yeah i really enjoyed that really well written and also it's drawn by joelle jones who is one of the best artists working at the moment so Uh, Yeah, I should have led with that. (laughs) If you want to read a good Supergirl comic, read Being Super. It's terrific.
1: I have, in the meantime, now found that episode, so that's good news. Uh, It (laughs) is uh, season one, episode seven of Supergirl. It is called Human for a Day, and Kara has lost her powers, and uh, she's trying to kind of make it through regardless. Um, She has broken her arm. Um, and she hears a robbery happening nearby, Uh, she shows up as Supergirl, and despite the fact that she doesn't have any other powers, she kind of steps in and is the hero and talks the robber out of it. Um, And I just remember watching that scene and going, oh, that that is really perfect. So that would be my Supergirl recommendation, the episode Human for a Day. Hey, should we move on to our final section, you guys? If we must. Yeah. Our final section <laughs> is called The Pitch. So, <laughs> if, you were listening to, if you were listening to our end of years award show, uh, we asked you on, uh, to head to our Twitter feed where we would be putting out a vote because we had heard a lot of people saying, bring back The Pitch. We'd also heard a lot of people saying, oh God, no, let it die listeners or followers on Twitter voted by a margin of 57 to 43. So it was by now, I mean, bigger than Brexit, but still, uh, nowhere unanimous um, that that they wanted to, in fact, keep the pitch and not kill it. So we haven't Jason Todded it. That's good news. The pitch is back. However, we are aware of your frustrations and our frustrations (laughs) with what the pitch had become. So we've changed it. The pitch isn't going to be separated out between the main episode and the mini-sode. It's going to happen here. It's going to be speedier. It's going to be faster. It's more agile. We've upgraded it. (laughs) Seven James do not know what the pitch is. Seven James will not be complaining about not knowing what the pitch is because (laughs) that's the point. I'm going to tell them what the pitch is and they are going to have to, on the spot, come up with an answer. No rambling, no thinking time. And I'm going to judge straight away afterwards. Who the winner is. So guys, first version of the new pitch, who wants to volunteer to go first? It means you get no thinking time. I'll go first. Okay. Given that we had the Superman movies before Supergirl, mm-hmm. and then we got Supergirl, and we are saying potentially the first ever cinematic universe, pitch me the next movie in this cinematic universe.
2: In the super go. in the Superman, Supergirl cinematic universe
1: cinematic universe
2: i think yes superman's pal jimmy olsen is the only way you can go with that and do it as <laughs> that story where he turns into a godzilla sized monster and presumably superman and supergirl team up to stop him so you're tying everyone back into oh, it oh yeah definitely like it's going to be the avengers infinity war of the superman supergirl cinematic universe
1: very nice and it keeps jimmy olsen as the one constant in this yeah universe. and meanwhile
2: <laughs> Lois lane is on the ground doing the reporting telling you what's happening just off screen
1: Mugger <laughs> <laughs> kidder does not want to turn back up for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> seb can you do better than superman's pal jimmy olsen
3: it's a strong one um bizarro uh starring christopher reeve oh. a spin-off oh. with oh. the 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 dick slash not quite evil version of superman from superman 3 who it transpires wasn't actually destroyed when he supposedly disappeared after being split off from clark kent he's still actually oh. kicking around and we just follow him going around being an amusing asshole. basically
1: oh i like it i really <laughs> like it james yours was good but i mean i'm a sucker for bizarre i would definitely and... watch
2: the dick version of superman for an entire
4: movie <laughs> i mean not in a Zack snyder way but
1: yeah, did you just pitch Man of Steel (laughs) (laughs) we're only kidding DC fans Man of Steel is comfortably the third best of your movies (laughs) Um, yeah so Seb wins the pitch this week Um, and that's what it's going to be like from now on you guys
3: can we reset the scores from now and actually keep count it's 1-0 it's it's 1-0 to Seb in pitch volume (laughs) 2
1: who won pitch volume one
2: uh the listener Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) whoever wins we lost
1: yes uh okay so that is it for this week's podcast uh if you're enjoying the show then please do subscribe on itunes spotify overcast or your podcast app of choice you can head to patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe to uh financially support us on patreon um, you can head to our Redbubble store to buy some of that gorgeous Hunger City art prints that uh, Seb was talking about. And also a brand new Into the Spider-Verse uh, design, which is very cool. And we
3: may also- have a Venom design on the way as well, by popular demand.
1: I've, I've, I've pitched Seb on a Venom design, you guys, and he actually liked the idea. So <laughs> hopefully that's coming. And if it does, I will never take it off. Uh, great movie. You can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com uh, You can find uh, you can get in touch with us via Facebook on Twitter at cine underscore verse or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
3: Goodbye.